Hello there, Comic Clan, and welcome to issue 11 of the Comics and the Cross podcast. I, of course, am always your co-host, Cross, sitting here alongside my colleague, my brother-in-arms, my partner in crime, my whatever else you want to call him, Nitro, sitting right next to me. Nitro, say hi to the lovely people. What's up, everybody? Okay. Everybody's having a great day. All right, first of all, confession time. I literally had the stream starting soon thing up there. And I was playing an amazing song from Pillar, State of Emergency, phenomenal Christian rock song, over the top of it, get everyone hyped for the podcast. And totally had desktop audio muted the entire time, so nobody that was started tuning in heard a thing. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> so, hey man, that was just for you. That was, I, I, I hyped me up, I got hyped for the podcast. <laughs> hey, and look at the bright side, I'm not going to get like a copyright strike when this gets uploaded to YouTube for music in front there of it go. so that's always a positive to get because they end up trimming that out right mm. look at the bright side man i know that's a look at the bright side of it there's always a silver line as you can see if you're joining us i have decided to fiddle about with our setup to try and change the color scheme a little bit looks fantastic man because black and gray was looking a little bit <laughs> it was looking a little bit boring and dingy and i decided you know what everything else like if you look below us at twitch like all our stuff has got this blue tint to it that you know that nitro has done he's done an amazing job with it i thought let's let's do some blue and white let's let's do some blue and white and because i've done the blue and i'm like why does that not work and i'm like oh that's because all the writing for like all the social media stuff that's below is and is red and the gamer grain logo that's above us is black and it's it was not a wee bit dystopian before and it's not working with it so i went with a bit brighter and it's like thankfully gamer grind have got like a white logo that looks really good on it, so I changed all the writing on like our social media stuff um, to white, and it looks beautiful. It actually looks, you know, look not crap. Pretty much, <laughs> it looks so much better. Um, but thank you everyone who is, of course, coming to join us again. As for some reason, you always do. You come and join us and listen to us ramble about comic, comic book topics, and Hi. we are forever grateful and appreciative yeah. that anyone actually turns up to listen to us. Um, we love you guys, thank you Comic Clan you are so so appreciated for every one of our shows that you've supported that you've shared, that you've liked, so thank you so much for that. Yeah, absolutely Alright, so first of all housekeeping, as always up above in their new white logo that we've got here, you will see Gamer Grind Co, the number one coffee for gamers hashtag on that grind Go you and... pointed right at it I know, I I'm, I'm getting better at this I'm getting better at it, yeah you know, the thing that always throws me with it is because like the camera switches, so I go because like if I'm looking at my own screen with us, like you're to the right of me, but if I point to the right, it's that way. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like so. Like, I always have to like think before I did it. So the fact that I pointed at that is actually quite impressive. I'm impressed myself. You pointed right at it. I mean, you get mad, mad points. I mean, that's it, man. I'm getting better at this. You know, it's like I'm actually looking like I know what I'm doing now, <laughs> which is impressive in itself. You know. Um, but check it out in the chat, I just dropped it in there for our sponsor for Gamer Grind. Click on that link, go ahead and check out some of their amazing coffee. Their coffee is absolutely phenomenal, like honestly it's my favourite coffee now, I can't drink anything else. Like The only reason I drink any other coffee is if I literally run out of Gamer Grind. Which unfortunately, sadly, I am this morning, I'm not drinking Gamer Grind, so my day's not as quite as exciting as it could be because I ran out. Like, my next shipment, I, I always seem to run it, like, that day before the next shipment comes in. Like, I'm due my next bag, so. Um, but go ahead and check them out. Go ahead and um, click on that link. You're going to help us out a little bit and support the channel if you do that. As well as using Comics and the Cross 
in your checkout. If you use that as a code in the checkout, you will save yourself 5% on any order and also throw a little bit of something to the channel to help keep us going as well. Um, also as well, pick up the Comics and Cross mug, Comics and Cross sticker while you're there as well because you're, why wouldn't you? Um, and massive shout out to Bob Thracer who was the first person to to sub to our channel when we became affiliates. Awesome guys, also spawned, um, sponsored by Gamergrind. Um, he finally got the mug. Like we, we ordered that mug for him like forever ago. And it finally made it to him. And he's actually not using it. He's actually got it sitting in his set now. I saw a video on his um, Twitter awesome. page. So he's got it sitting on his set. So massive shout out to Bob Thracer. Yeah, um, go give him Appreciate some love him. as well. Awesome guy. He's been so supportive of the channel. Um, so massive shout out to him. Um, also as well, if you want to rep the Comic Clan, which that needs to be a new shirt as well. It has to have like Comic Clan on it and have to have some sort of yeah, tarp or something. That has, that has to be something that you that you do for one of our new shirts, Nitro. That All has right. to be like one of the designs of actual Comic Clan. Let's jot that down. Um, so yeah, I'm going to put merchandise in the chat as well. Um, so go and check out our Teespring store where you can pick up your own Comics in the Cross t-shirt, hoodie, yoga pants. I never know what to call them. I always forget. Like, I know the words leggings, but like as soon as I go to mention it, I always forget the leggings. But like leggings, yoga pants, whatever they are, as well as our first official poster from our superhero Square Go that we did a few episodes ago. Um, if you're watching on YouTube and I'm really smart and putting in the links I'm meant to be doing, it should be popping up in a box in the corner where you can click on that and check that out because I'm getting that good at YouTube apparently that I can put stuff like that in videos. Let me, let me step back and just admire the prowess. I'm telling you, man. It's like I'm, I'm starting to get into this. Like, oh, that's a good idea. I could do that. I'm like, oh, there's an option for that. Fantastic. But thank you so much for everyone that has shown us support, going and checking that stuff. So I have to say, this has been quite a big week for like people giving us shout-outs, by the way. So I have to mention this. Yeah. Um. So I'm actually going to put his link in here. I don't have it set up. I should have set this up. I'm not that good, apparently. Um. Go and check out this guy. I hope I've spelt that correctly. Go and check out twitch.tv behaving beardly. Um, if you were here last week for our podcast, we actually raided him after the podcast and stuff like that and went over and showed him some love. Awesome guy. Um, plays a lot of Sea of Thieves. Looks like a Viking. Yeah. You know, literally, he wears the horned helmet. He's got a beard like down to his waist. You know, it's like he's literally full blown. And it's funny because he has a green screen, but he also wears like he has green screen around him. So oh yeah, he wears like green clothing. Like head. Yeah, was it the other day? Like his chair didn't have green on it, and he was wearing a different color shirt. Literally, the other day I was on stream watching him, and it was so weird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because he so never does he's that. Just a floating head. <laughs> it's usually a floating head, so I not see him like that was weird. Um, but massive shout out to him. I I jumped yeah. in his stream on Tuesday, just watching him and started chatting. And we got in a conversation. He's like, I recognize your name. And I said, oh, yeah, well, we jumped in and raided you on Sunday. That's probably where you recognize us from. The dude literally pulled up our stream. Played a little bit of the audio of me talking. Because the conversation started, like, they were talking about, because he's, he's English. Um, so the conversation started about, like, people, like, swearing in stream. Um, and it started out in that sort of way of talking about swearing and streaming. They started talking about Glaswegians. Um, for those of you who don't know, I am Scottish, in case you haven't told from my accent. And I'm actually from I'm actually from just outside of Glasgow, so I've got a fair... My mom's side of the family is literally from Glasgow. I grew up just outside of Glasgow, so it's my, that's my home turf. Um, so when they started saying that, I said, Hey, it's like, I'm, I'm a Glaswegian streamer, and it's like, I, I don't cuss on stream and stuff like that. I'm a PG streamer. I try to be. Um, <laughs> 
stuff slips out and I apologise, but I tried to say PG. Um, and he didn't believe me, so he pulls it up in stream, and he actually started playing a little bit of our audio while we were seeing Nitro's artwork on Spider-Man. So we got to see a lot of that kind of taking place, and then he also read our About Us section out, he put on his mic effect and done like a big booming deep voice, and he said it, he said it himself, he said I was doing it for a meme, and he says, but I really love that, that statement and what you guys are doing, so like go and follow, he actually follows us, a, lot of, a bunch of people came over from his chat, we got a bunch of people following us from that, so massive thank you to Behaving Beer, like go and show the guy some love, he's, he's, a, he's yeah. an amazing streamer, he's so much fun to watch. Um, he's well worth checking out, so massive shout out to him. You may have seen me shouting him out in our social media as well. Just the guy's a legend. Um, and then also to another streamer who I don't know quite as well, but he actually reached out to us. His name is Spock, S P O C, not to be confused with Spock from Star Trek, which is spelt the same way except with a K at the end. Um, who invited us to his stream team, which I don't have Twitch actually pulled up, so if you guys can let me know if it actually says we're like Twitch team Spock Nation. Um, now he actually pulled us into that and that's an opportunity to grow to be represented by someone only twitch partners can create teams so anyone that's a twitch partner inviting us into something like that though massive shout out to him asking us to do that and giving us that it, opportunity yeah. is it showing up awesome yeah it's it like it right into the video so like you when that shows up in someone you can click on that and you can view all the people that are in their teams so not only is that showing up for us but anyone else that's part of spoke nation if someone clicks on that and looks through it like right now as we're live it shows all the channels but the live ones all jump to the top so right now we're somewhere in that list it looks like he tries to partner with a lot of people, especially a lot of smaller channels and stuff like that. So him giving us a shout out like that, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Spock, for that opportunity to be part of Spock Nation and just to get a shout out like that is, is greatly appreciated. It really is. All right, I think that's it. I think I've, I'm done with housekeeping for this week, but I just wanted to give some massive shout outs to that because there's been a lot happening this week. It feels like a lot has happened since we were last on here. Um, yeah, behaving barely thing. When you when you sent me a message, I'm like, what? And I jumped right on, and it was crazy, man. Yeah, he gives a massive shout out like that, and I'm like, dude, you did not have to do that. Like, you've got a fairly good following, you've got a great community there, and you did not have to do that and give a shout out to Comics and the Cross. But we appreciate it so much. Yeah. Um. So yeah, let's let's jump into some topics of conversations. Um. There's two major ones I want to talk about. Um, so the first one is comics related. The other one is kind of related to comics and superheroes, but it's more about the creator of it. Um, you may have seen it. I posted it on social media. He's actually going to be a guest on the show in a couple of weeks, Joshua Leonard. It's relating to him. Um, I, just, I want to mention it because he is coming on the show and what's going on. But I'm going to start with the, the comics news first. Okay, DC's been making like big headlines the last couple of weeks with us. Um, like we've been noticing stuff like the Zack Snyder cut and all this stuff for the DCEU. Out of nowhere this week, DC announces that they are no longer going to be using Diamond Distribution to distribute their comics. Um, go back and look at our Digital versus Physical podcast. I think it was like episode two. It was like one of the first podcasts we did. First one where we got like pretty much both cameras working as well and both mics working. <laughs> so... Um, go and check it out and um, we talked extensively about this talking about how um, covid was affecting everything and we talk a lot about the diamond distribution model in that and the fact of like the diamond distribution was a uh, is basically the only source of like distributing comics like especially for yeah. marvel and dc the big two they've used diamond for forever and the system isn't amazing 
Which it blows my mind that the same that two different, not necessarily rival comp comic companies would use the same distributor. Like I don't know if that's normal or not. For it's just weird. It's just it's, it's just one of those. Weird. It's one of those. It's just it's always been. Um. So yeah, and then out of nowhere we got this, and this this is popping up. This is the Hollywood Reporter. So I'm going to put the article in the chat, so you guys can click on it, read it for yourselves, because. I tried to find it out with of just clicking on the link and it was kind of hard, but it's actually on the Hollywood Reporter, so like it's a it's a fairly big like <laughs> reporter to be like mentioning this comic company thing. The publisher will no longer distribute through the industry leader in comics distribution. And a seismic shift for the comic book industry, DC has cut ties with Diamond Comic Distributors. And um, the announcement was made via an email to retailers sent Friday morning with the company telling customers that all orders for DC products will be fulfilled by Lunar Distribution and UCS comic distributors for periodical releases and from Penguin Random House for graphic novels and collected editions. I have never heard of any of these companies. I have never heard of Lunar. I have never heard of UCS. I have never heard of Penguin Random House. I have never I've heard, heard of these. I've heard of Penguin Random House. I, just, I haven't heard of the other two. I like, I've never heard of any of these companies. So it's like, to come out of the blue... And drop their like distributor who's been their distributor for for freaking decades since like I mean like DC Comics just celebrated like 80th anniversary of some of their characters recently like they've been distributing them since like pretty much since the beginning practically. Same perspective it says DC parting ways with Diamond means that the latter Diamond distributors loses the second biggest publisher in North America market responsible for roughly 30 percent of the entire market in 2019. Yeah. Like, I'll always, I'll always talk about indie comics and the fact that indie comics are making a massive move right now. There's some amazing indie comics out there. We're actually going to be doing some indie shows look, looking specifically at indie comics. Um, yeah. Probably starting next month at some point, we'll start doing that. We're going to be doing indie introduction. But make no mistake about it, like, no indie company out there. Like, Image is the biggest indie company out there. No indie company out there can touch Marvel and DC. They are on top of it. Marvel is number one, DC is number two, and it's been that way for a while. Occasionally they swap places, but for a long time it has been that point. So for Diamond to lose the second biggest comic distribution and lose the funding that comes with that is a massive announcement, but it also means that we could be seeing some massive changes taking place in the comic distribution market. Like, no more of this comics, like, getting, you know, ordered months in advance. Yeah. And if they don't get enough pre-orders, then they don't do anything, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I always think that competition is healthy, right? Because it always brings out the best in, in anything. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I think this is, even though it probably it sucks for Diamond, <laughs> obviously, coming back from two months of being shut down, basically. Um, but I think, to your point, I think something good might come out of this. I don't know what. I don't even know what this looks like or what it means. But uh, That's the thing. It's like, it's, it's never happened. Yeah. There's not a, a comparison to make to anywhere else. So I'm like, what does it look like? Like, seriously, what does it freaking look like to have Diamond no longer distributing one of the big companies? Because we talked about it. We talked about it in digital versus physical. Like, this, you know, the coronavirus quarantine shut down Diamond distribution, shut down most of the comic book that were coming out. And we talked about it, like, is this going to be the end of the physical market? And we talked about, is it going to be more of a digital thing? Is Diamond going to basically be done now? And never could I have predicted this, that yeah it's like diamonds going to have a massive effect but it's not going to be a digital thing it's going to be a 
it's going to be like the comic book industry changing and going to different publishers and distributors and never in a million years did I imagine that was going to be it. Well, you got to think about what Marvel's thinking right now. They're probably like, well, crap, I didn't, can we do that? I didn't know you could do that. But that's the thing. What, that, what are we going to do now? But like, is that going to change things for Marvel as well? Because like, yeah. Diamond, are they going to start kicking a new game into gear? Because they don't want to lose Marvel. If they lose Marvel... If they lose Marvel, they're done. That's like, yeah. you've lost the two biggest companies then, so like, are they going yeah. to start changing how they do business with Marvel as well? Is Marvel That's going to start changing how they do business? It's like, I think this can only lead to a, a better model. Yeah. Whatever that means, I don't know what that looks like, but I, I think competition breeds just uh, ingenuity. Oh yeah, As I fully believe like competition is a good thing in any industry. Like, Look at any company that's had no like, rival, has had no company going up against it. It's like, they stop trying, they stop pushing, they stop advancing yeah. things because they're the only thing. Yeah. Yep. Um so like I'm I'm gonna be keeping eyes on this. Like we'll probably be talking about this more in the weeks to come. There's nothing massive to I think really talk about at this point, like as much as we're kind of discussing it. Knowing the new distributors are there, it's like it's you know, it talks about that the COVID nineteen is a big part of it and it's like but at the same time it's like we, we need to wait and see. We need to wait and see how this is affected by things. We need to wait and see how this is, you know, like, what does it look like when these are now distributing to comic book stores? And, like, and at the point when I'm like, I kind of want to get Philip from Richmond Comics back in to talk to him about this and kind of like, okay, what do you think about this and how do you think this is going to play out? And like, even when we start getting books through it, like in July and August, when we've started getting monthly books through these companies, like to bring them on and go, like, how has it changed? Has it changed anything? And get that input again. Yeah, what does it mean? Because like that's a massive thing. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, it's, it's nuts. But as I said, we'll probably be talking about that a lot more. We'll probably be talking about that in more in the weeks to come, in the months to come, as we get more information on it. Just right now, there isn't much information. Yeah. Um. Yeah, when I saw the headline, I was like, <clears throat> "Holy word! I, had, I I need to make sure Paul knows about this because we just talked about this." <laughs> yeah, like it, it came out the blue, and I'm like, I, there was no hint that this was coming. No. Um. So our second thing that I want to talk about news-wise. Um, it was more of a personal stake in it because we've got <coughs> um, Joshua Leonard coming on the show in a couple of weeks. Um, if you guys don't know, we have been talking about it. Um, putting in the chat a link to his webpage. Um, Joshua Leonard is a black creator from here in the states. Um, who created a superhero team called Team Supreme. Um, he created a team of superheroes with special abilities, special powers, um, but also like they had different disabilities. Like One of the kids is autistic, one of the kids is blind, one has sickle cell disease, one is, um, is it like spina bifida and is in a wheelchair, and one is deaf, one is, you know... There's a bunch of different stuff going on here like the the dad figure and the leader of them the adult is it deals with depression like it was a massive thing um to pull this forward and joshua leonard's been doing this for years like he's been trying to pitch this show he done all he does all the artwork himself and stuff like that he's the creator of it he's since like 2009 right yeah he's been doing this for years and he's been pushing this for years and he's been pitching he's had tons of high level interviews he said and been pitching to massive studios and stuff like that and then out of the blue, and uh, let me see if I can pull it up. Post some links to his social media in, in our uh, in the chat, so just FYI. Yeah, I see that. I'm trying to pull the specifics of the actual thing. 
which I'm trying to click on the thing itself, it's actually not letting me pull it up like the original thing. I don't know if he got rid of it. <clears throat> um, but you can see it on like our original post at least, so let me put that in chat. So if you want to go and check it out, go and check this out. Um, it's a link to our Twitter where we shared it. I don't see it. Like, I'm clicking on it for his page and it's like, I don't know if it's been deleted or whatever, but it's still showing up in ours. Um, for me, um, but it's just he, he just has a small blip and then a, a, a piece on every every all the character all the main characters yeah so and so, um, so the post that he put up he put up on june 5th two days ago this was posted he says when they won't hire you but they'll steal your show i knew i had that fire when i was creating it i've been the advocate for disabilities diversity inclusion and equality since 2009 all good though and this is in relation to PBS. PBS just launched a brand new show. It's literally just dropped in PBS Kids. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with PBS Kids and the stuff that they put out there. I've got um, two young kids who are obsessed with it, so we watch a lot of stuff like Curious George, Daniel Tiger, different stuff like that. And um, they do Sesame Streets on there. You know, there's tons of stuff on there. They're all learning and educational programming. It all comes out of the Fred Rogers Company, all that sort of stuff. PBS show features superhero with autism. The PBS Kids animated series Hero Elementary, which just dropped recently, it's got a, it literally dropped like a week or two ago, is set inside a grade school where a diverse group of four superhero students are learning to master their special powers. There's a kid who can fly, is afraid of heights, there's a girl with the power to teleport, and a boy who creates force fields of bubbles. Plus there's a boy with an array of cool gadgets who is on the autism spectrum. The creators have been subtle about how they've portrayed the character of AJ Gadgets, who is on the high-functioning end of the spectrum. AJ doesn't love, like loud noises or wet clothes, or to be apart from his beloved backpack, but he's part of the team and it always comes to the rescue. Sounds like a cool show. Sounds like a great premise. Sounds like a, yeah, let's get more... Like I, I've said it on the stream many times. I'm the father of an autistic boy. I love getting more autism awareness out there. I'm all for autism awareness. I'm all for people learning more about autism. The problem is this isn't their idea. The problem is that he pitched this to many, many companies, including PBS and PBS Kids. He pitched it to PBS Kids and they did not hire him. They did not take the idea. And then, out of nowhere, they have a show based around young superheroes. And, okay, and there's, like, you know, one has a fear of heights and stuff, but the main thing is that one of them has autism. Yeah. Which, I'd like to point out, just happens to be the black kid, who, if you look at Joshua Leonard's stuff, the leader of Team, Team Supreme, the at least to the kids, is Zeke, a young black boy with autism. I don't even feel like you're covering it up. This is a man who's been working on this project, who's been passionately talking about it. Like, he's had high-profile interviews. It's not like it's a secret that he's doing this. It's not like he's a nobody. Like, some of the interviews he's done are so high out there, like, in big time, like, people have interviewed him regarding this. There's videos out there of him talking about it, like, on his YouTube page, there's, like, videos out there of him talking about it and talking about, like, Team Supreme and how great this is and you know, all these different kids with disabilities is all about inclusion and diversity. Which I also feel like with everything that's going on in the country right now, with all the stuff that's going on in the country right now, 
this is a massive blow to PBS. Like you're yeah. digging yourself in a hole. Yeah. Because basically, what it looks like at this point is that you basically listened to the idea from a black creator and stole it, yeah. and then claimed it's about inclusion and diversity, which he's been at the forefront for for years. And it's like, really? And like, and obviously, I want to read more into this stuff. And like, obviously, like as far as I'm aware, this is only a couple of days ago we posted this. As far as I'm aware, PBS hasn't responded, hasn't made a comment back. Although eventually they will, because there's a lot of people that are pushing this out there, and especially with the Black Lives Matter movement taking place right now, and people trying to make sure that Black creators are getting the appreciation and the recognition that they deserve, that they don't always get. Well, like he threw out us i've been i've been following him on uh, social media for like the, the past day or so just in, in prep for you know when we talk to him because I, I just want to learn as much about him as i can and about team supreme and i he, he posted something uh like less than five percent of animators are black i, I did not know that no i, I, I had no clue i was unaware and that he, it was that low a number it's, it's crazy well, and he was he was just talking about how it obviously shows in you know in what's being created there's not a whole lot of diversity and inclusion and in what's actually being created and that's i don't want to put words in his mouth but I, I think that's one of the reasons that he created what he's creating now um, yeah. so it's it's just doubly frustrating that somebody would take that and run with it and, and change his initial idea well even though it's really it's frustrating even the inclusion for team supreme like it's, it's very much about like kids with disabilities being superheroes yeah. is really at the forefront of it but if you look at the cast of characters there's pretty much an even spread of boys and girls yeah He's, he's got the gender equality there we've got black, we've got white we've got Hispanic, we've got Asian he's trying to include different races across the board mm-hmm. he's trying to make sure that the show is about inclusion it's about inclusiveness and I'm like I, I, I can't get inside PBS's head for it I'm like why didn't you just hire this guy like seriously why didn't you just hire him and do this show or hire him to do a variant of the show if that's what you wanted to do if there was bits of it you didn't like work with him and I'll, Joshua, if you're listening, I will say your art is 100 times better than theirs. So oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's... there's no, there's no, not even a question. Because mm. I'm looking at it right now. It might be a fine show, but your art is on point. Their show is very, I don't want to say very kiddy, like that's a bad thing because it's obviously meant for like pre, you know, for like preschool sort of age and early grade school and stuff. It's like, but like the artwork is like compared to. There's literally, if you go to um, Joshua Leonard's like social media, you will see him doing art on some of the posts. Some of the posts he does, especially on his Instagram, is him doing yes. the artwork, and it's like it's yes. gorgeous. The I artwork, love the work in progress, beautiful. Stuff, where he's showing it from the beginning to the end. Yeah, it's like, I was it's... actually showing my wife because I show her art on Instagram a lot, and I was showing her some of the stuff, and she was blown away. Yeah, like the guy's an amazing artist. Like I, I want to see the show. I want to see Team Supreme made. Yeah. I really do, and like I've I've known about Joshua Leonard for a couple of years now, and it's like and it right after my son got his diagnosis and it caught my attention i'm a superhero guy i love superheroes so to see an inclusion like that taking place is, is something that's really close to my heart and i'm not gonna lie i'm boycotting the other show i'm 100 percent boycotting it i'm like it's it, it's ridiculous see unless it comes out that they've got a good reason or anything like that or there's a good response to it fair enough i'm willing to hear what pbs has to say on that because like i want to hear their side of it i want to hear what you've got to say on this but I'm like, it just looks like you stole the idea. It looks like they stole it. It looks like you stole the idea, and I'm like, and 
you didn't even do a good job of it. At least steal the good bits as well if you're going to steal it. You know what I mean? If you're going to steal his idea, at least go all out for it. But I'm like... But I'm really excited to have Joshua Leonard on the show in a couple of weeks. On the 21st, we are going to be talking with him. He's going to be on here. We're going to be asking him about Team Supreme. going to be asking him about um, his process as an artist. Asking him how he got into it. Why did he get into it? Um, and also, we'll, we're going to ask him about this. Like, how is he honestly feeling about what's taking place with PBS? And, you know, like, the, the how does he feel that his creation has basically been taken and transformed? And it's sad. Um, I think I will say is like his response to it, it. He's he's had a really great positive attitude about it, and I know it's a sucky situation, but uh, it's really cool seeing you know the way he he's responding to it. Obviously, he's calling it out for what it is, but um, just seeing him responding to it. Oh yeah, really cool. absolutely, absolutely. He's been completely. He's been a real gentleman about it. Like he posted about it, and he made people aware. But he's well within his rights to go off on a tirade and to rip into them for it. He's well in his rights to rip into them. Like, you've stole my freaking idea. I want yeah. credit for it. And it's like, yep. he's handling it so calmly, so down to earth. And like, you know, kudos to him for handling it in that way. Because honestly, he doesn't need to. He doesn't need to handle it that way. He could have went off the handle. But like, he's he's coming out of it looking really good and looking like it's taking place well. And I'm like, good for you. Honestly, good for you. So it's like, you deserve it. Um. So yeah, we'll talk more about that in a couple of weeks when we actually have him on the show. But I just I wanted to mention that because like when I seen that posted, I'm like I just it infuriated me. It really did, and I'm like, really, you can't even give the guy the credit for it and hire him like seriously. But anyway, so housekeeping done, news for the week taken care of. Let's delve into our actual topic for today. We. Of course, we're going to be looking back at the Marvel Netflix shows, the R.I.P. The Marvel Netflix shows, which no longer exist, which are no longer a thing. They ended when season three of Jessica Jones finished up. They've all been cancelled. They've all not been renewed. Um, but one of the other things that was kind of like lined up with this, it wasn't necessarily the reason we were going to talk about it, but it lines up kind of nice because all the news sites have been talking about it. Um is that Daredevil is about six months away from being reclaimed by Marvel Studios. Oh, shoot. And I know what you're thinking. Didn't that happen already when they got him back from Fox? Like, yes, it did. But <laughs> they got Daredevil back and he entered into an agreement with Netflix and there was a certain length of time after Daredevil was cancelled they had to wait before they could do anything with the characters. But that time frame runs out and I think it's late October, early November, I think, something like that. So like end of the year, literally, it runs out. And I thought it's an interesting thing. You look back at look back at the Netflix shows and look back at how they played out and Daredevil's the first, but what happens when the rest of the shows all go that way? Will we see Daredevil and Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist and Punisher all coming into the MCU? I just want to see Daredevil and Spider-Man. I mean, is that too much to ask for? I know. I, I just want to see them together. That's all we've been asking. downtown New York. That's what I want to see. <laughs> we've only been asking for it since, like, what, 2002, 2003? <laughs> like, when Sam Raimi's Spider-Man and, like, that awful Ben Affleck Daredevil movie came out. Oh, like, my gosh. Like, that's all I've wanted to see. Like, yeah, these two team up frequently. Like, I'd like to see them together. Yeah, because they, they're both 
kind of wisecracking in the comics, and you know, I just think it'd be, I just think it'd be awesome. I think it'd be really it, fun, but yeah. but let's open it. Um, so let's let's start at the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. The man we're talking about himself, Daredevil, Matt Murdock, played by the legendary Charlie Cox, who done a phenomenal job playing him. Fantastic, such good casting. If Daredevil hadn't hit as hard as it had, I don't think we'd have gotten the rest of the shows. I just think it hit, like, the, the first episode was, like, super powerful. Uh, and then it kind of just, it stayed at that level, I think, through the whole series. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm like, it stayed at that amazing level. And it's like, I think that's it with Daredevil. Like, they, they knew what they were doing with it. It was a slow burn build. Like, if any of you um, catch the video from a couple of nights ago, um, I've done a just chatting thing while I was chatting with anyone that came into, you know, her chat, and while watching episode one of season one, and it was so weird going back to the beginning. Because it, it makes you realise the journey these characters have came on, like, but the slow burn for it as well, like, you know, we get a little bit of Matt Murdock's backstory, but, like, if you don't know his backstory, if you're not really sure of how he got to where he is, then... It only gives you a little bit of it. That builds up through the season. We obviously don't see the Daredevil costume until the end. The whole first season is him in the Frank Miller-inspired like black attire with the, the bandana completely over his eyes. Honestly, I didn't hate. I loved it. I thought it was yeah. Nice. <laughs> it's a really cool attire. It's really cool. I, I normally hate when like they're making, they're making these TV shows, they're making these movies, and they're just, for some reason, there's just an opposition to just to showing and a somewhat accurate portrayal of a comic book costume there's always like this fierce opposition to it but uh, obviously this is inspired by frank miller but i i think the way that they did it I, I thought it was great i thought it was fantastic oh yeah it was done really well and i think they really built up the slow burn to it and to get the actual daredevil costume which i was grateful for and that we finally got there and it's a beautiful costume i am a fan of it yeah. if you can see in the background my statues i do have a statue of like, charlie cox's daredevil like I do, I love that attire so much. Um, even the slow burn to Kingpin. Obviously, the main villain for seasons one and three, and was still a part of season two as well. Literally, I forgot. Like the whole first episode, you don't see him. You don't see him in the entire first episode. You only hear his voice right at the end when he's talking to his to his associate Wesley, the guy who he sends out. And I'm like, I forgot that guy existed. I'm like, oh my goodness, that's right, you got killed. I forgot you were a thing. <laughs> that that entire like relationship with him and Wesley, oh man, it's so good. And Vincent D'Onofrio as Wilson mm. Fisk, I will never not see the Kingpin as him. If they don't hi if they don't rehire him for the movie version of Kingpin, if I, he does eventually, hopefully come out. I've said it to you. I need to see Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin facing off with Tom Holland Spider Man. Ooh, I need to see that. So good. That would be so I good. need to see that just rival. Just the size difference. Just the size difference would be fantastic yeah. to see. Like I just, I need to see that because I love. Okay, let me take a minute to talk about Kingpin here, because like, for me, I don't think Daredevil would have been a bigger hit without him. Charlie Cox is amazing. The casting is amazing. Like even for Karen, for Foggy, for yep. every, it's phenomenal casting for Ben Urich, who is a shame he dies in season one, but like Ben Urich. Which, spoilers for these, by the way, but, like, if you've not watched them, they've been all on Netflix for years at this point. So, if you've, if you've not watched it, you're probably not going to have watched it, so. Yeah. If you don't want any spoilers for it, go, check it out, come back, watch this later. 
on replay or YouTube. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, like, but Ben Urich even, um, but Fisk just, Vincent D'Onofrio was a perfect cast and he's such an underrated actor until Kingpin happened and then yeah. <clears throat> he plays the character so calm, so yeah. chill, so relaxed, he never raises his voice, he never gets angry and then it's that first scene when he loses his temper and it's a scene where he smashes that guy's head in the door and like, and he does it repeatedly yeah. and you see that side of Kingpin of like Yes, he's calm. Yes, he's collected. Yes, he's a businessman, but he is ruthless. Well, like, and I like—I love the way that they explore his backstory uh, about his dad. About uh, again, spoilers—you know—about how he that he killed his dad with like a hammer, <laughs> mm. right? Yeah. So like, he's really messed up, like in the head. He's 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 got a lot of psychological things going on in his brain, but he focuses so much on his outward appearance, the way he dresses. What type of uh, what type of place he stays in, his clothing, his cufflinks, making sure he's spot on. That when he gets unhinged, it's like truly a shock, and you're like, "Holy cow! All right, all right." Oh, <laughs> so he's absolutely. Capable of that. <laughs> absolutely, like the guy is. You know what? I love how they handled the backstory. I love absolutely how they handled Kingpin's backstory, just because. <clears throat> we've never really seen his backstory in the comics like they never really explored it they've never really explored it in the comics they've never really explored anything like that the only real exploration we got of it was in the Spider-Man the animated series like the 1990s Spider-Man animated series the one like we grew up on and stuff that was how we that was our that was where we got like a real look at his his backstory, his rough upbringing, the fact that he was pretty much abused, the fact that he was this big kid. But, like, he, not just like, oh, he's big and he's fat, but, like, no, like, he's scary strong. He's scary fast for the size he is. Like, that's yep. just his body shape. He is in he's such scary. peak physical condition. And, and it's not a superpower. It's not no. an ability. It's not something special that's happened. It's just him. When he, you know, even, even the the part where he's getting his clothes tailored by the the guy, he's called the gladiator in the comics. I forgot his name offhand, um, but he's mm. the guy who makes his clothing, and it's lined with this really thin, like bulletproof material, knifeproof material. It's just, yeah. Like the little details in that show are just they're so good, and I think they like, I, I I think they did a really good job of paying homage to the comics, but kind of also doing doing their own thing. Absolutely, absolutely, and. And just the journey that we go on with Kingpin. Yeah. I, it's weird to say, but I love the story of him and Vanessa. I, yeah, I love it, yes. That love story is so well played out because like at first you're like, he's trying to be this sweet guy and he's trying to wear her over and you think, oh, well, he's going to fall in love with her and then she's going to run away and not want to be with him. Yeah. And then it was like, no, she's actually fully in on this. Yeah. She loves him and is every part of it and yeah you know that becomes such a driving force for him and you know obviously he gets her out of the country when he finally goes to jail and stuff like that and i love even as we see the character evolve in the later seasons like we get to see him during season two in prison like literally owning the prison yeah he literally runs the whole thing like he has to be in there but it's like he's it's his house one of the things that i really appreciate about daredevil is 
Uh, like I'm, I'm a, per I'm the type of person who's drawn more towards the aesthetic of a film or a TV show than maybe sometimes the content, which is not necessarily a good thing. But I really, really liked the style of the show, and I feel like it was distinct from the other Marvel Netflix shows because it was almost always set at night. Um, but like, I'm, I'm even thinking about one specific scene that they would play over and over and over and over, and it's Wilson Fisk making eggs. And just mm. the way that he made eggs and just the, the music in the background and how it set the tone for his character. Um, man, I don't know. It just, I don't, it really spoke to me. That sounds really corny, but I really liked it. I really liked, liked the way that they took the direction of the, oh, no, of they just did. the aesthetic of the show. Yeah, they did an amazing job with that, like, and just how they portrayed it. Like, even his morning routine. Yeah. Like, I love exactly. the fact of seeing him doing his breakfast, doing stuff like that, and then just seeing him walk into his walk-in closet and how... How methodical he is about like what suit he wears and what watch he pairs with it and what pair of shoes he puts with it. Everything about him is so methodical. It's so well played. It's so well placed. And I'm like, and like that's character building without saying, "Hey, he is like this." No, we know he's super methodical. He, he thinks everything yeah. out. He's one. He's like five steps ahead of everything. Like he knows exactly what's gonna happen. And they said that without actually saying it. Yeah, like they so well set it up. Like even like watching that first episode back, like. He gathers together all the gang leaders and stuff, all the crime bosses and stuff, and starts putting it into play that he's basically taking over. Yeah. Like people, like, and they already they show him like he's already bought out certain people and like people that owed them money. He's like, no, we don't want the money back. You owe us this though. Yeah. We need this for you and just how they portrayed it and how they portrayed him. And then even like going into season three where you see like he's so well played. Like he's in that penthouse being held there until he like goes you know to court and stuff like that he's basically owning the cops <laughs> where he basically owns the cops he runs the whole yeah. place that is basically now his penthouse suite that he lives in pretty much yeah it's so sweet and just to see that evolution of the character like all the way down and then at the end when he just unleashes everything we kind of talked about it before yeah. we started that yeah. fight scene between daredevil and kingpin in that apartment at the very end when it's like they literally finally after three seasons do not hold back on each other like I found myself when they were fighting I found myself like I was legitimately like gritting my teeth and then when Charlie Co Cox just beats the brakes off of him so much so and Vanessa's telling him to stop and he grabs the side of his face and he just screams at him because he you know you know he wants to just put him out of his misery he wants to just end it so that yeah, never he's got, happens again yeah he's gone to that point where it's like that's how you end this as you, you yeah. take his life it's the only way to end it and I'm like but I can't yeah, and that's part of yeah. his confliction as well. You know, it's like obviously with Matt Murdock being Catholic, he's a big believer in you know the Christian faith, Catholic faith. It's like he won't kill someone. He doesn't want yeah. to kill someone. Yeah. But at the same time, without killing someone, let's take that time to dive into Daredevil himself now. Yeah. To dive into Daredevil himself, the show, especially season one, it is so raw and brutal. Mm -hmm. Like it's so violent. It's violent in a lot of ways, but like the way it portrays it, it, it shows a lot of character to it. Like even the fight scenes in that first episode, like it set the tone. Like we before, tell, like, before you even get to like episode two, where it's like the the long shot, like down the hallway, the one that everyone talks about and stuff. Yeah, the fight scenes are so brutal. Like when he gets hit, I feel the punch. Yeah, when he yeah. throws punches, like there's nothing like like this guy has got an amazing superpower where he literally has so much balance and acrobatic ability he could do so much stuff yeah 
and he's not. He's just smacking people as hard as he can. That's one of the things that I really appreciated about how they directed the action was like you could tell like he was getting tired. Mm. And he, it was, those hits that he was that he was getting hit with were really hurting him. And like you don't really see that a lot. No, that's like a simple thing. It's like it's like when you see a movie and somebody's shooting a gun and it doesn't run out of bullets. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. It's the little things that like people put in that are actually real world things. Like you do run out of bullets, and yes, hits do hurt. You know, yeah, it's, like it's he's the getting things that they pay attention to. But even think about that. The way they portrayed it, it was so good because if you think about Daredevil's ability, everything's enhanced. His vision is gone, but everything is super powerfully enhanced. Like he can hear, see people with vibrations. He says it to stick at one point, and I think it's season one. Like he has to sleep on satin silk sheets because cotton is so rough against his skin. That's how sensitive his other senses are. Imagine yeah. what a punch feels like. Mm. Oh yeah, let me think about that. If cotton is so like rough against his skin, he can't even sleep on it. Imagine what being punched in the face feels like. <laughs> that hurts generally. Yeah. But he gets back up. He spits the blood out of it, and he gets on with it. And yeah. you see the roughness. You see the fight, and that's why Claire Temple's brought in Night Nurse. Is brought into the show is like, is like patching up Matt Murdock because like okay, he's no. getting the crap kicked out of him. Yeah, Matt Murdock gets wrecked. He almost gets killed multiple times, like, and you really see, like, you could really tell that he, like, is inches from death. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's in death's door so close yeah. at so many points. Um, but he's a phenomenal character. Um, can we can we agree that Daredevil is the best out of all the Netflix shows? Can we just agree off, off the top? 100%. My only okay. argument is poss... What's up, Home Skillet? Hey, Home Skillet, how are you doing, Rick? Thank you for those 17 bits. I appreciate it, bro. Thank you for coming and checking us out. I, the only argument I'll have for Daredevil is the only one that comes close to it and may even top it is Punisher. I am always back and forth because, like, Punisher is, like, one of those shows I'm like, I know a lot of people don't like the show. A lot of people didn't feel it and thought, oh, it's not great. I loved Punisher. See, there's this thing. All right, so, and I know I've said this on the, on the on the stream before, but I agree with you. I think, uh, I think, after Daredevil, I think Punisher is the best Netflix character. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. Sh- well, show too. I would say show. Yeah, I would say show too. But that being said, I think Daredevil. I think the way John Berthold plays him in Daredevil season two, which I think he's in season two, right? Yeah, he's in the start yeah. of season two. That's. I, that I will say that right him, now. By the way, the only worthwhile thing in freaking season two. Is the half that Punisher's in? Yeah, the hand stuff sucks. <laughs> I agree, hundred percent. But when it's him and Punisher, it's so good. Agreed. But I will say, I liked the Daredevil in, in, in. Um, I'm sorry. The Punisher, I liked the Punisher Daredevil. in Daredevil season two <laughs> more than I did in his own show. Hmm. Um, that being I can said, that. I like the Punisher show better than all of the other shows. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Like so, other than Daredevil, obviously. But. Like absolutely, like the shows, like Jessica Jones and Luke Cage were, eh, all right. Iron Fist sucked. Oh, Iron Fist was awful. The only two that were worthwhile were Punisher. Like I want a Punisher season three. I don't care; it's been cancelled. I need John Bernthal to put that skull back on. I need him to do what he does. I need Daredevil to suit up again and Charlie Cox to be in the horns again. Like the two so of them. I didn't mean to cut you off. Should we, should we transition then, unless we have anything else for Daredevil to actual Punisher? Uh, the only thing I, I want to mention. No, the only thing I want to mention for Daredevil, just to mention, because we kind of talked about like him and Kingpin. I want to mention kind of the side characters, mm-hmm. and which were good. And I want to kind of mention season two. 
just because season two is a big thing because it plays into defenders. Yeah. Um, side characters are phenomenally cast. I have completely forgot his name, but the guy that plays Foggy Nelson. Eldon Henson. Eldon Henson. Which you may recognise if you grew up watching the Mighty Duck Mighty films. Mighty Ducks, yes. <laughs> because that's where I noticed him from, and boy did I get a surprise. Like, oh my goodness, it's the, it's the rough kid from Mighty Ducks. Wow, yeah. he got old. And then I felt old, and then I was sad. <laughs> <laughs> but he was amazing as Foggy Nelson. Yeah, the chemistry awesome. between him and Charlie Cox was just... If you bring Charlie Cox back as Daredevil in the MCU, you have to bring him back as Foggy. That chemistry Avocados. is just... Yeah, it was great. Especially when they did the flashbacks to law school. That was so cool. Oh, I the law school stuff that. was so good. And I, yeah. I, I really felt for the relationship as well. See, when he finds out that he's like Daredevil... He's really hurt. And, like, and he's like... he's And you can see the heart. Like He's not wanting to abandon him, but he's like, you're my friend. You've been lying to me all this time, and I don't want to see you die. I'm like, yeah. I, I felt the emotion. I'm like, you gave me another Netflix Marvel show that made me feel that much emotion for the characters yeah. as that did. He, yeah. he was amazing. I love him. And then, of course, Deborah Ann Worrell is, is Karen. Karen Page, dude, she was fantastic. She was phenomenal as Karen Page, across Daredevil and Punisher. She was amazing. The, the connection she had to both those characters. The I'm evolution... The evolution yeah. from first scene we see her, she's next to a dead guy, blood on her, knife in her hand. Yeah. And they walk into the room and go, "Yeah, we're going to represent you." Like, I don't have any money. So we don't have any clients. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, like, she starts working with him at the law firm, and then she takes over Ben Urich's spot and becomes an investigative journalist. But at the same time, it feels natural. It feels like yeah. it feels like progression of her character. Like, yeah, that makes sense. Don't get me wrong, there's still part of me that goes like that, the guy at the head, like, yeah, you're giving Ben Urich's job to this woman that you've just met who asked a question and has never had any journal tra- journalist training in her life, but okay, we'll, we'll, we'll throw a blind eye to that and roll with it, because why not? Yeah. <laughs> That's my only thing for that, is like that, really, she got that high a job in there without anything? I just think, I think the trio of them as the face of that show, I think, was such good casting. It was so good. It really was, and and try to think of other characters. I want to talk more about season two, obviously, because well, we get Electra, and that's one of the things I want to talk about her. But because uh, okay. she pops up in season two as well. Before we hit season two, I want one last mention to season three. The other big thing, which I'm sad, there's not going to be a season four, at least not on Netflix. Hopefully, they continue it because Bullseye. I was torn with Bullseye. I don't know. I just. I wasn't a huge fan of him. I understood it, and it made sense, and I get it. But I wasn't a huge fan of him putting on Daredevil's costume and doing the whole "I'm Daredevil, but not really" type thing. I don't know. I just no. But that's the thing. I, before. But that's the thing. No, I. It's been done before, but not really on the show. And it's like, and I and I chalk it up to that. Like Kingpin wants to like hurt him in every way. Yeah. And as I and it's a Kingpin plot, and he uses this guy that he's clearly manipulated. But I think that was the thing I loved about the character was seeing him as a cop and seeing him gradually get lost in himself. Yeah, to the point really cool. to the point of right at the end where it's like, okay, season four we were like this close to getting actual bullseye. Like, yeah, season three was the build up. You know, like, I, f- I kind of feel like that with Kingpin as well. Like season one we sort of saw the build up of Kingpin, but season three we got Kingpin. Yeah, like yeah, at his top. I feel like that's what was building up for Bullseye, and then like season four we were meant to get Bullseye. 
yeah, like could actually right. go toe to toe with Daredevil and give him a run for his money, and we just never got it. And it was it's a shame because I felt like it was going to be a good payoff for it. Oh man, you didn't like Colin Farrell bullseye. <laughs> I may be Irish, but I'm not a leprechaun. <laughs> you get it? Because he's Irish. Oh, uh, yeah, I, get, I did get it. <laughs> you get um, it? You get it? He's got the bullseye carved into his head, so he's badass. <laughs> get it? <laughs> Just a little on the nose for you, in case you didn't get it. Just a little. Yeah, I, I really... Don't I, get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Though I kind of liked his bullseye. Just it was so over the top and campy. It was so like campy, it dude. was so enjoyable to be that campy. I don't think it was the right choice, but like I can't not love that performance. Just it's one of those ones, kind of like Trevor Slattery in Iron Man Three for me. There's something about it being so over the top and ridiculous. It just it makes me laugh, and I can't help. It's a laugh of enjoyment. Like I know it's stupid, and I know it's like yeah, this was the worst decision ever, but I cannot help laugh at it. I had a picture of him up. <laughs> from the movie yeah. and you could and you could tell like either the movie was it was made in 2003 it came out in yeah. 2003 but like it, what he's wearing is 100% 90s oh yes yeah, like, a total he's got 90s. The, the big a big circle silver necklace going on in the leather jacket and I'm like oh with, a, God, with a pop pop collar on the leather trench yeah. coat and it's like yeah it's, it's a total awful. 90s it's absolute oh, 90s awful. I love it I love yeah, it it's I like the character in in season three. I like the actual guy, and I liked his progression as the character. I just was torn on mm. like him donning Daredevil's costume. I wasn't a hundred percent with that. I I get it. I understand why why King yeah. did it. I just was like, eh. it makes sense story wise, but I can understand why it, it niggles. Okay, season two, the often like not liked series of Daredevil, <clears throat> the one where everyone feels like it kind of dropped, mostly because of the hand stuff. Because like and, and don't get me wrong, doing the hand's a smart move. It's Daredevil's one of Daredevil's big enemies. You want to see him, you know how how close he gets to the hand. He becomes the leader of the hand at one point. If you go and read Shadowland, you probably shouldn't read Shadowland because it's an awful story. But nonetheless, Daredevil becomes like he, he doesn't just become like the leader of the hand. He becomes the beast. But it makes sense for it to be a thing. It makes sense for it to be in it. It just it wasn't the highlight. It felt. Between that and Iron Fist season one, you really felt like this was literally shoehorned in to set up defenders. Yeah. Um, the stuff apart from that was so good, like Punisher. Good. The opening half of the season when it's him and Punisher, it's ugh, it's so good. Dude, that just that I know everybody talks about this, and I get it, but just that one scene. It's like almost half episode where they're in the graveyard and they're talking and like, mm. and I know I think Charlie Cox said at one point because there's you could see like he's crying like Daredevil's crying under his mask but he's like no that wasn't crying that was sweat, <laughs> but um just just the way that they're talking and Frank Castle is like actually digging into his past and telling, you know Matt Murdock a little bit about him and where he's coming from and why he is you know the way he is oh man it's so good, it's so good. Oh yeah, it's so good. Let me just check. I want to get this saying right because I keep. Are you talking about the penny and the dime thing? Yeah, one batch, yeah. two batch, penny and dime. Yeah. Like the fact that like, even even saying that, which I'm kind of sad that he stopped saying that as much in his own show. Like he wanted to punish her and he didn't quite keep going with that. And I kind of, it was a random catchphrase at first. You know, that's really weird. And then like the way they tied it in his family and stuff and. 
I, just, I love the way they portrayed Punisher in it. It's just it was, they really made you feel heartfelt, and it was a really good setup to his own show where they explored his past and explored his family and what actually happened. It's like it's it was so well done, and then just to see him like after Thomas Jane's Punisher movie, all you people out there that love it, I I don't usually say this. You're wrong. It's awful. I don't want to see Punisher sitting drinking himself into a stupor, yeah, and then getting does not matter if you believe. If and you then get that. into a fist fight with the <laughs> Russian who is just Kevin Nash in a stripy shirt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> I'm sorry. And John Travolta was the big bad for that, really. Like, yeah. And then Punisher Warzone was like, I enjoy that film because it's it's so campy. Again, like it's I actually like that. I like that. <clears throat> I like it because it's so campy. Like, I'm sorry, yeah. the moment like when the guy jumps between the roofs and he literally just hits <laughs> him with the rocket launcher. I like it's so over the top, and I'm like, I, I love it. And Ray Stevenson, I thought was an interesting choice for it. I thought he did well. Yeah, he reminded but, me of a, of a Punisher from the '90s, though. They're like really chiseled jaw. Yeah, like <clears throat> Punisher. He definitely had that look to him. Um, yeah. But John Bernthal, dude, like he's he, fantastic. the moment he portrayed him in Daredevil season two, he was he's Punisher. Yeah. He he I was Punisher. Pretty sure Walking Dead was his audition tape because I feel like he plays him very closely to the guy he plays in Walking. Yeah, Dead. it's like that. Yeah. The later end of Shane when he played Shane and Shane was starting to kind of like lose it. his mind. Like yeah, yeah, there's a bit definitely a bit of that in there, and we get yeah. to see like the ruthless Punisher. Like I don't care, they're bad guys. Like literally wiping out mobs and like, and that's the thing with Punisher is that he got that across that element of he made you also feel sorry for him. The Punisher is going full out doing this stuff and taking these guys out to the point you're kind of on his side. Like, yeah, he's taking out bad guys. How's that a bad thing? But he's doing it to the extent of, like, part of him's like, I don't care if I die. Yeah. Part of him's like, I really don't care. Unless I've got he's some... Almost got, yeah, he's almost, like, got suicidal tendencies. Like. Yeah, like, even in his own show, you see that, like, unless he's got something he feels like he needs to do, he feels like, you know, he's protecting someone or doing something, it's like, he doesn't care. It's like a, yeah. dying as an initiative. I'm like, I'm going to do this until I'm done. Like he's lost everything. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, it's like in. But we'll go into the Punisher series in a minute. One last thing I want to mention for season two though was Electra. Elodie Young is Electra. I thought she was decent in the role. I thought she did a, yeah. a decent enough job. Like better than Jennifer Garner anyway. How dare you! She attacked a blind man. She didn't know she had he had superpowers, and then she started hitting a blind man. What is wrong with you? He's going toe to toe with me. Like, yeah, you didn't know that when you threw a punch. Like, I'm sorry. No, I see. I don't know a whole lot about Electra, so I really can't talk. I can't speak to her. I can just speak to the way that she's has, she's been portrayed previously. And uh, I know bits I and think... pieces of her. I'm not big on her story. I just know that her and Matt Murdock sleep together a lot. Yeah, I think Aledi Young, I think is her name. Yeah. Uh, I think she plays it fantastic. I think, she, I think she does a job good. I think she does a good job at it. Like, I'm not big on the Electra character personally. I'm not big on it. Like, I, I think it done. She did a good job though. But like, I'm yeah. I'm glad it, it stopped at Defenders. I'm glad we didn't go beyond that with her. Like, I thought. I think if they took her out of the show, it wouldn't make that big of an impact. Yeah. Like at the end of Defenders, again spoilers. Like end of Defenders, when like she dies, or well, we think Matt dies and he's fine, but like it, it looks like she actually dies. Um, it's like it's, it's not a big thing. Like I'm yeah. I'm quite happy going back to wanting Matt and 
Karen to get together. Mm-hmm. You know, like playing that story a lot more, but she does a decent job. Okay, let's jump into Punisher then, because we've not really touched any of the other shows, and Punisher we've been talking about already, so Punisher literally picks up after Daredevil Season 2. Like, he appears at the start of that, and then he pops in at the end to help Daredevil out. Um, and we jump straight into his show, and I'm like, I adore this show. I I fell in love with Frank Castle during this show. Like, I, I felt everything he was going through. I felt about ev- the pri- I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, Did you talk about the prison scene. I meant to mention that. Thank you so much for bringing that up. <laughs> Everyone talks about the fight scenes in Daredevil, like the hallway fight scene, which is a good fight scene. I actually prefer the one in season two when he does the fight down the staircase. I actually prefer that, like long shot. But no one mentions in Daredevil season two the Punisher's fight scene in the prison where his prison cells opened. That Grief. that wing is locked off, and everyone's cells open, and they all decide they want a piece of Punisher. And Punisher literally takes a piece of every one of them, and I'm like... Well, the thing is, you can see, like, when the door's open, he's like, what? What? What's happening? And then you can see it on his face, he's like, alright, it's game time. Yeah, like, it's, that's the thing, it doesn't even phase him, like, he, he wonders yeah. what's going on, but, like, he's facing all these guys, and, like, as he's fighting them, like, I'm legitimately believing, like, yeah, he, he's going to win this, he's, you're yeah. not putting him down, like, I can see it in his eyes, like, he's got so much determination. Yeah. And he's just covered in blood, and he looks like an animal. Yeah, it just it was so, so awesome. well done. I thought that um, was in Punisher for some reason. Uh, like no, one, I'm that so was actually in Daredevil. Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned it because I meant to mention it and completely forgot there. And I'm like, thank you because like that was that was one of the things that solidified him as an amazing character. Yeah. Um, but then we got into his own show, and it was handled so well because in the first season we we get the whole big conspiracy. There's a whole big conspiracy theory. Again, I don't want to ruin this for you guys, um, but go and check it out if you've not already. Come back and watch this later. Absolutely. But and the whole big conspiracy theory, basically, that's like from high up in the US government all the way through his um, his trip in the military. And he finds out his best friend's part of it as well and all this stuff. And it's like, but just how it builds it up slowly, it builds towards it. Like, I'll be honest, I did not click his best friend Billy who they kept calling the pretty boy was Jigsaw and I know that Jigsaw's name is Billy and I know that he was like a pretty boy before Punisher mangles his face I did not pick up on it in the end until I saw his face after it was busted up and I'm like oh my goodness it's Jigsaw dude when he's dragging his face across that uh, merry-go-round glass that's that's my only issue with season 2 is that when he shows back up as Jigsaw and his face is like fine, apart from a couple of stitches. He's got like a little pot mark right here. <laughs> and it's like, and it's the mask, which I love that jigsaw mask. I want that. I want that to sit on the set behind yeah. me. I want that jigsaw mask. And um, but I'm like, see when he took that mask off, like, no, your face should be effed up. Like yeah, seriously, like, it should be completely wrecked. Yeah, it looks like he tripped, like when he was little, and he's got a, a scar. Like I, he I, smashed I'm your coming. face through a mirror on a merry-go-round. I'm coming from the again. This is the, I grew up in the '90s, so I collected comics from the '90s, and everything was bigger in the '90s. Obviously, um, you had the you had who created uh, Daredevil? Uh, not Daredevil. Um, Deadpool. What was his name again? Oh, um, Rob Liefeld. Yeah, Rob Liefeld. He puts p- patch, uh, pouches on everything. Everything yeah. was bigger in the '90s. Everybody had more guns and everything. But Jigsaw in the '90s, he was like, he looked awful. 
Like he, he's talking about scars all over his face. Like he almost yeah. like Two Face, but a whole whole face. <laughs> yeah, it's meant to be messed yeah. up. That's why he's jigsaw because his face looks like a jigsaw puzzle that's been put back together badly. Yeah. And um, that's my only complaint about it is the fact that like you know, his face should have been messed up more. And um, but like the whole conspiracy theory, like I love Frank Castle's story. I love, I love learning his story. I love the fact that he starts getting close with like uh, Microchip's family who obviously connects with Microchip, who's on the run as well, and he starts getting close to that, and it allows us to see flashbacks of Frank's family. And I felt so heartbroken for him, like, when we start seeing Frank's family, and he starts seeing all the people, you know, that he's missing them, that he doesn't get to see them, he starts remembering his wife and stuff, and then it starts showing stuff of, like, him being abusive when he came back from the military, and him being angry and yelling and yeah. going off at them, and, and it's all just PTSD that's messing him up, and he can't function properly. And you almost see that, like... And it's almost that thing of, like, Punisher didn't start when his family died. Yeah. And the beginning of Punisher was when he came back from the military. Mm -hmm. His family dying was just what put him over the edge, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, like, it's just... It's so well done. It's just so... The story's amazing, and... I love the partnership with him and Microchip. I'm so sad that Microchip doesn't appear in Season 2, like, at all. Yeah. Cause Cause don't their... they like turn him at one point against Punisher in the series, or try uh, to at least? They try to in the series. I think yeah. I don't think they ever do, but they kind of try yeah. to. And uh, that, was, one... that was such a cool dynamic. Yeah, like I need to go back and watch the show so badly. Like it's... I do too. The only thing, I, the only thing I hated from season one, that I absolutely hated, was who was the chick? It was like is it the head of the CIA or whatever it was? The company I can't remember the company's name. But the chick that was in the head of that that um that Billy Russo was like sleeping with, and like was basically oh, manip was like manipulating and stuff like that. Like I I couldn't stand her. Was, like every time it flashed back to her, I got so bored. And they kept flashing yeah. back. Oh yeah, like your partner was the one that they killed when they were over there and that started this whole thing. And you know, oh, Amber Rose Reva was her name. Yeah. Like I, I, I couldn't stand her character. Like it's you're you're literally here as a plot device, and they're trying to make you relevant to the story. And let's be honest, yeah, Madonna. Yeah, Dina Madonna was that was a Madonna. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't a huge fan. Um, the only I good really bit, liked... the only good bit Go with her, and it was literally when Punisher was saving her. Yeah, I, I really liked the the bits between Punisher and Ben Barnes, though. I thought they were really good. They, the build up of their relationship. Like through season one, when you're the best friends, and you start learning that Russo's basically on the opposite end of it. He's one of the guys that basically bought into the conspiracy, that bought into like selling people out and to get higher up in the government, and was actually the one responsible for his family being taken out. They had a role in that, and it's like, and then Punisher just let rips on him. And then we just see him in season two, like literally, like Jigsaw over the edge. Like, his mind is gone. He is just so... And I love the way they play it up in Season 2 as well. Like, they play up the first part of Season 2. Like, he's he's got amnesia. So, like, he thinks that Frank's turned on him. He thinks that Castle's, like, turned his back on him and is doing this stuff. And he can't work out why. And then it all comes back and... He just goes nuts. That last episode, last two episodes, like, where basically he goes to the apartment to hunt him and they go into the streets. Like, that scene of them in the streets... Well, like they're getting into the car and like Punisher's just standing in the middle of the street completely geared out and it just goes into this big massive thing between the two of them like, it's so good yeah. It's it, 
Punisher is such great action and it's such great storytelling and so much subtlety as well. Like, and the funny thing is to think it was never on the slate for Netflix. It wasn't being created. It was it was being considered and it wasn't until John Bernthal played Punisher in Daredevil that everyone went, we need him in a show. That's awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah, it, it wasn't originally. Originally, it was only meant to be Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, and they were going to come together as the Defenders. Punisher was not on the slate until, like, John Bernthal did such a good job that everyone was crying out, like, we need a Punisher show. He was so fantastic, man. I need him in the MCU as well. Oh, absolutely. I want to I want to see really him think... playing off of people. Like I I want to delve deeper into the fact of like how Frank Castle is this on edge person, but I want to have him like reminisce thinking about Captain America. Obviously Chris Evans has stepped out of the role Captain America's done in the MCU. But I want to see Frank Castle reminiscing because he looked up to him. That was his hero. Was Captain America. Oh, I just keep going back to this one splash page. It was from Civil War, mm. where um, yeah, I know the one you're going to say. I think the heroes who are against the, um, I forgot what the act was called. Oh yeah, the, the Reg- superhero registration the Reg- act. Yeah, yeah. The, the ones who were um, against that, including Captain America, I believe, were in a bunker somewhere, and Punisher is obviously against it as well. And I think this is where Spider-Man had actually switched sides because I think he so- sided with Tony first and then yeah. kind of switched sides. So like, apparent. I don't know how he got like basically beat to death almost, but. Punisher bust open the door and it's a splash page of him cradling Spider-Man basically screaming for help and it was like that's like a super impactful like panel yeah, uh, yeah. like that's like that's the thing he came late into the Civil War thing he didn't want to use Punisher because he was too over the top yeah and like literally he goes into a point of being way too over the top for their team and there's this moment there's a great scene between Punisher and Captain America where like Punisher's put all these lives in danger and he's had to be stopped by the people who are on the side against the registration act and Captain America is beating the crap out of him he's like laying into him like for what he's done he, like he's busting him up, he's bruised he's bloody, he's broken and Punisher refuses to throw a punch back he even says something like I'm not going to fight you he has so much respect for Cap he has so much respect for who Steve Rogers is like I'm not willing to fight you I'm not willing to throw a punch at you. I'm not willing to do that. It's like, you are the hero. You are the best hero there is. I'm not going to fight you. And I like, and just that alone says so much to Punisher's character. And I'm like, I need him in the MCU movies because I need him to react to that. I need to see that side of him. The fact of like, he's more than just this killing machine with a broken past. Like there's these other elements to his character. They can't be fully explored without the other heroes. Let's talk about the elephant in the room regarding MCU movies. Do you think they will recast? I, I think they will, and I think they'll recast, including Daredevil. I do. I, I think they. Pro- I think they probably will. It's hard to say because. Because it's different than like when they got back the characters from like Fox, like when they got back like Daredevil and Ghost Rider and all these different stuff from uh, Fox. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's different because it's still owned by them. It's just it's a deal that's going on with Netflix. Yeah. But one of the things that's going on now is obviously the fact of like the Netflix shows were originally meant to tie in. I was saying it when I was talking to Isaac in the chat when I done the episode one review. 
it's so funny to hear them talking because they're talking about like New York being destroyed and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's clear there was meant to be hints to the Avengers and what was going on in the bigger MCU, and then everything was meant to be connected, and then it just wasn't. So it's like it's it's hard because I know that's what they're doing now. Like they've stopped all the Netflix shows, they've stopped the Hulu shows, the ABC shows, because they're wanting to do the Disney Plus shows. So that you know that's why we're getting like Falcon and Winter Soldier. That's why we're getting Wanda and Vision. We're getting continuation of characters we've seen in the movies. And then newer shows like She Hulk, Miss Marvel, Moon Knight, and stuff are going to tie into that. They're going to be part of the MCU. So it's like it's hard because it's like they're stopping everything to make everything actually connected the way that it was meant to be like ten years ago. But it's hard. It's like the thing is as well is like they're if they do recast them, and I mean especially like for Daredevil, that's the big one that everyone's talking about right now. If they do recast it, they have to, they have to be smart. Like if you're going to recast that, you have to get the perfect person because right now everyone, as far as they're concerned, you got the perfect person. Just do Daredevil season four. Just tie it in. Yeah, because I I just think with those two shows specifically Daredevil and Punisher, I just think I don't. I'm sure you can, but I don't know how much better of a casting you could get for those specific characters. No, and like, I think that's I, I, I think know, the casting not... for most of them was spot on. Like I think yeah. most of the cast was spot on. Even Danny Rand in Iron Fist. I don't think the guy himself is a bad actor. I think it was just a crap show. Like, I have to disagree with you. <laughs> I think he could have done a lot better if he had a lot better of a show to work with, but I've not really seen him in anything else, so I'm like... Well, granted, I don't think it was his fault. I, I just think it was the writing. Because I, I, I've seen him in other things, and he's he's good. I just, yeah. Oh, but that's man, my thing. is like I don't think the casting was bad for any of the shows. I think some of the shows were just really badly done. Yeah. You know, like Iron Fist, obviously, is the, the main, you know, the main one that's there. <laughs> that was badly done. Um... But yeah, so it's like, I think, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see if they recast it, but, um, so yeah, let's jump into some of the other shows then, because we kind of talked a bit about Punisher. By the way, guys, go and watch these again. I'm going to be going back to watch these shows. Yeah, I am too. It's like, I'm, I've not had a chance to sit through them again for a while. I'm going to definitely go back and watch Daredevil and Punisher 100%. What about um, Jessica Jones? Jessica Jones. Okay, I have to put a disclaimer on this one for me. Um, I did not watch Jessica Jones. I got caught up for it for the show by watching recaps on YouTube of the seasons. Um, my reasoning for not watching it was basically a lot of the shows have a lot more adult themed stuff in it, because it's on Netflix obviously. Jessica Jones had a lot of sexual content in it. I mean like literally there was like two sex scenes and a half naked woman within the first half of the first episode. And I'm like, for me personally, for anyone that's not aware, like I did struggle with pornography for a long time I struggle with that I tend to avoid stuff with high sexual content in it and stuff like that it's something I struggle with for a long time and it's just something I don't delve into if you've watched the show and you've enjoyed it more power to you for me it's just something I avoid like it's not worth throwing that away for a TV show um, I did get caught up on recaps on what happened for Jessica Jones on what I've seen and what I've heard of the show season 1 was phenomenal Season one is up there with like Daredevil and Punisher. Yeah. The storyline, the way they spaced it out, the way they laid it up, and I've got to be honest, a lot of it is like Kristen Ritter is Jessica Jones is a great casting. She's a phenomenal actress, she's beautiful, she's great at the character, she like looks like Jessica Jones. 
you kind of got him any more got it any more spot on um but a big part of why it works is david Tennant. kilgrave kilgrave is amazing fantastic and I, I didn't know david Tennant from a lot of different things before this um but man he is fantastic in this yeah i i, I love david Tennant. like I, I was a fan of him in doctor who and Broadchurch. i've seen of some of his other stuff obviously he worked in the uk and lesser known things before he really burst into america but like he, him is kilgrave it was so good like i've never seen him play a villain to that extent before and just letting him go on something like that he is such a good actor he is I, I don't care how popular he is he's still underrated on how good david Tennant actually is he made that first season yeah i agree if he wasn't in it, it, it yeah i agree it's like and, and, it, and, and it's proved in the later seasons if you watch season two and three like you know spoilers again he dies he gets killed at the end of season one which you know is actually one of those deaths of a villain that actually makes sense in marvel and um, because like the way they build it up and the way they build up the history of him and Jessica and stuff like that, it makes perfect sense. But season two and three just it goes downhill without him. It really does. And just to be transparent, I don't remember a lot of Jessica Jones, and I didn't watch season two, honestly, um, just because I wasn't a, a huge fan of it. But I, I I would agree with everything you're saying. I think Kristen Ritter was awesome as Jessica Jones. Uh, I liked how they tied into the other shows because this is this show introduced Luke Cage yeah um you know because he was the i think i believe he was the bartender at that um yeah he was a bartender in uh in season one and stuff and you even get to see like him and jessica sleeping together and stuff like that obviously heading towards like in the comics where they get married and they have a kid and Mm -hmm. stuff yeah um so that that was cool and i really love david Tennant as kilgrave but other than that i I don't honestly really recall a whole lot uh, from the show yeah some of the other characters were interesting like i always thought it was interesting they had trish walker as like one of her sidekicks who and for anyone that doesn't know, Patsy Walker is also known as Hellcat as a hero in Marvel comics. And um, I thought it was interesting including her. And um, boy, does her character change as it gets into the later seasons as they start. She starts getting like addicted to taking stuff to make her super strong and starts becoming a near edge villain and stuff like that. And the show is interesting. I think with Kilgrave is amazing. The way they build up the story, the way that he's if anyone hasn't seen it, Kilgrave has got mind control powers that he develops after they even do like the backstory of Kilgrave where he's had an abusive childhood and he develops this basically psychic ability. He can tell people to do something and they do it. And he completely wins them over. Like, you know, she goes to investigate and there's a restaurant where people say, Yeah, we did everything he told us, no one knows why, we just did. And um, he keeps women like locked up and abuses them and has them as slaves basically. You know, she goes to rescue the girl that she's looking for that leads her back to Kilgrave, who'd done it to her. And finds her in a hotel bed, and he, she won't get out of the bed because he told her to stay there. So, like, Jessica Jones literally needs to carry her out of the room, and she's fighting to stay because he's told her to stay in the room. It's like, it's, it's a really interesting portrayal, and then obviously it plays into her backstory and the trauma and the PTSD that she's got because she went through it. And then what happens now that she is immune to it, basically? And you see him like trying to like up his ability and stuff like that, and it's like it's it's so well done. This is another one of those shows where I know I was talking about it earlier, but I really like the aesthetic of the show. Yeah, like it's like a it's like a noir detective crime, yeah. like a lot of neon, a lot of dark, rainy. I just I love the feel of the show. It feels very 
um, very, I, this word is super overused, but it feels very gritty. Mm. You know, like you can almost feel the texture of the show, if that makes no, sense. No, it really does. It plays into her character. I think they capture, like, the Alias comics as well. You know, also the Alias comics are very gritty and stuff. Yeah. And how they portray everything. And um, I think it's just, it's done really well. And then you get into the later seasons and it's like... I try to remember what happens in the next season. I literally just watched these recaps and like, and they're so forgettable. Like, I completely forgot what even really happens in them. I'll be straight up. I didn't watch season two, and I did not even know that there was a season three. So yeah, <laughs> well, season three was like literally about to come out when they basically went, yeah, everything's cancelled. Uh, okay. So a lot of people kind of went, well, there's not really a point in this then. And season three is awful. Like season two is the whole thing where she starts splitting up with her friends, and there's people yeah. like going after different people with abilities and stuff like that and mm. all this and then i'll be honest i got bored halfway through the recap of season three and i'm like i wouldn't have made it through season three i watched the recap and i'm like I'm, i don't care like you've literally i don't care about what's happening to these characters and like that's that's iron fist levels of bad for me <laughs> so like i can't totally speak into jessica jones to be completely honest but like i don't even watching the recaps i don't remember in all honesty what? it's it really wasn't my jam. I really dug the aesthetic in the show. I thought the casting was really good. Yeah. Season season one is good. Season one is yeah. really good, and the casting of like her, of Kristen Ritter as Jessica Jones is, is spot on. Yeah. Um, let's jump into Luke Cage then, because we mentioned him. He obviously makes his sure. debut in, in um, Jessica Jones, which is phenomenal. And he gets to make his debut there, and they have that little connection. Um, it's very focused on Harlem. Um, very a lot of the shows like focus on different stuff like so we get like Daredevil's got an extra look at violence and how violence works and sexuality and Jessica Jones and this one is 100% race this is 100% looking at black culture in Harlem and black v black because we get um, Luke Cage who's an ex-convict um, who ends up getting superpowers while he's um, in prison they do an experiment on him and he has unbreakable skin um, not anything else he's not like invulnerable to stuff we see that throughout the show like if someone gets like someone puts something inside his body or someone gets him through the eye or something like that that's vulnerable it's literally his skin that's unbreakable um, and he's trying to play it up working in Pop's barbershop and trying to just live a good life but we also get the look at the other side of the thing which um, what's his name again Cottonmouth the dude who plays him yeah, the guy that plays Cottonmouth, yeah, the villain. Like, like, Cottonmouth, I love Cottonmouth. He was a phenomenal Dude, he was awesome. villain. He was awesome. One of the biggest he's, mistakes he's... they made was him getting killed off, like, halfway well, he... through the season. Yeah, I feel like he's another type of uh, villain. I, I kind of, like, I equate him, not equate him, but he kind of reminds me of Wilson Fisk in that, like, he doesn't have to show a lot of brute force or show a lot of force for you to know that he's not somebody to be messed with no and it's like yeah. it's, you totally kind of get that and you see like they first come across paths when like Luke has to cover for a friend of his and works like behind the bar there you know his friend asked him if he can cover him for it because like he used to work at a bar or, you know hint hint he was in Jessica Jones doing that so um, he ends up working there I, I try to remember like the introduction for like how they really clash but basically Cottonmouth's running like Harlem yeah and Luke Cage starts getting in it and it's like like some of the kids that come into Pap's barbershop and stuff like that is meant to be a neutral ground and they essentially like attack Pop's barbershop and kill him 
and Luke starts going after Cottonmouth, starts going after his drug running, his gangs, his weapons, he starts going after everything. Um, you know, it's like the the joke obviously like that his superhero costume is just a hoodie. He gets constantly shot up because he gets shot at constantly. Um and then like we get halfway through the season we get the death of Cottonmouth, who's killed by his sister, who Black Mariah. Um, who is a big villain again for Luke Cage in the comics and stuff, but like he throwing her over the balcony and throwing him over the balcony and stuff, and then smashing scary. his head in. It's like she's a terrifying villain, but she should have been saved terrifying. for season two. Yeah, they should have built her up for season two. They should have built her up to take over from Cottonmouth and have her do that at the end of the season. Yeah, I don't they think they did kind of do it mid season, right? Yeah, it was like it was literally like halfway through. It was like episode five or six. She done it. Yeah. Um, and it's like she kind of takes over because she's kind of more on the political side she's doing more of the stuff trying to build up Harlem and making herself look good yeah. and then she takes over his club and kind of starts running the his organisation um, from it and then like you get Shades who's like the most ridiculous stupid character like his face just looks weird to me like why are you here I love Theo Rossi though. He's a good, he's a good guy. Uh, well, I liked him in Sons of Anarchy, but um... yeah, he was in Sons of Anarchy, and then it's like he came into this, and it was like, what are you doing here? You're, you're literally yeah, you, don't, got... you don't. There's yeah. literally nothing for you to do here. It was talking about who was he working for? I can't even mind the name of the guy he worked for, but oh, that's when he came uh... to Cottonmouth, and he's working for Diamondback. Diamondback, that's it. Yeah. Diamondback, who it was crap. Literally. Yeah, I. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of him. Literally nothing worthwhile from him. Um, and is it the end of season one that Diamondback comes into it? Um, I don't. He's meant to be know. like he go, the guy who can go blow to blow with Luke Cage, and it's like. I, I just felt like they took a hard left turn with Diamondback. Like in season one, like it was like they were doing the stuff with Cottonmouth, and then even the stuff with Black Mariah, they were building her up. And then they had Diamondback, like this guy that knew Luke Cage and knew where he came from, and we can, you know. I can go toe to toe with you, her, and I'm like, you've literally just stomped on everything that you were building up. It was getting built up so good, like Cottonmouth and Black Mariah were amazing villains, and it was such a slow burn. It was done so well. Yeah, and I'll be straight up. Um, I'm not normally a well. I take that back. His costume when he finally got in the costume, I forgot when it was, but it was in Luke Cage. I think it might have been season two. Was awful. The costume was awful. No, it was season one. It was at the end of season one. So season one, episode 13, is when he finally gets his costume. And I'm just like, dude, who designed this? Yeah. It's just uh, awful. Yeah, costume work's not really something you needed for Luke Cage. Like, literally him just being him was fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, the build-up to season one and the way they were trying to do that. and it, it, I don't know, the end of it felt rushed. It kind of felt like it was rushed to try and get ready for Defenders. Like, even, like, the whole, like, they rushed that stuff with him so they could set up Black Mariah, and then it was like, oh, and also we need him to start going back to prison so that at the start of Defenders we can stop him going to prison. Um, oh, and that's right, that's also who comes in the act. I completely forgot about her. Misty Knight. Misty Knight, yep. We get the introduction of Misty Knight pre, you know, robotic arm. Yeah, do you know a lot about her, like, from the comics? I know a little bit about her. Um, she was part of, like, the, the Heroes for Hire. Okay. She's part of like Heroes so that, for Hire is usually like Luke Cage and Danny Rand, like Power Man and Iron Fist. And they were literally heroes for hire. That's why the whole thing of like Luke Cage being a hero for hire. It started mm. as that and then it became an yeah. organization. 
um, which Misty Knight ends up running and kind of doing for them when she steps away from the police and you also yeah. get her and Colleen Wing from um, Iron Fist actually team up together and become the daughters of the dragon got it um, so it was all kind of interconnected like I, that's what I was literally like I don't want like after Iron Fist happened it was like after the Defenders like I don't want Luke Cage season 2 I don't want Iron Fist season 2 I want a Heroes for Hire show get yeah. Danny Rand to start acting normal get Luke Cage to be himself, get in Misty Knight, get in Colleen Wing and let's do a Hero for Hire show. Why not? Let's just jump right into this because why not? It'd be more freaking enjoyable than what we got. I feel like I'm about to drop a very controversial opinion, uh, which I'm not, you know, I'm pretty familiar with doing that on this show. That's what I was going to but... say. It's like your geek cred's going down <laughs> as it is, man. Do you really want to drop controversial stuff? Um, so I love Mike Coulter as an actor. I think he's fantastic. I don't know if he was right for Luke Cage. And I say that not physicality-wise, but, like, I feel like... I don't know. I feel like Luke Cage needed, like, a tad bit more charisma. And I, I felt like that was... I think that was one of the things with that show. Because I felt myself leaning more towards the villains and all that stuff, uh, how interesting and stuff they were. And then when I got back to Luke Cage, I was like... Mm. I mean, he's he's good. But I'm like, I felt like I was missing something. I don't know. I don't know. I can, I can see that. that. I can see that. I think he was good for the role, but the role was definitely written very chill. Yeah. Like he was very calm, very collected, very. He had some good lines. He did have some good charismatic moments, but it like, it it wasn't like all the time. And I'm like, he, maybe he could have like, he could have been tweaked a little at least. I think. Yeah, and I'm not, yeah. I'm not saying he needs to be like you know super energetic or anything like that but and maybe excuse me maybe that was just intentional which you know that's cool but it just wasn't my cup of tea yeah but um then jumping into season two we obviously get black mariah taking over the club and she's the big bad um, and then we also get the jamaican dude oh i totally forgot about him who like totally tries to take apart luke cage and like goes into like a turf war with black mariah and her group and Bushmaster dude, right? Yeah, Bushmaster, that yeah. was it, yeah. Yeah, Bushmaster. He was a cool character. I did like Bushmaster. I thought he was done very well. You know, there's a death in Harlem and it's like in, from their group and he comes in and ends up going after Luke Cage and stuff like that because he starts to interfere and... I always felt Luke Cage was a very kind of okay show, to be honest. Like, I was never fully invested in what was going on. Like, I, Yeah, I would agree. The most like the interesting stuff was the fight between them. We got to see Black Mariah, and we got to see like the stuff with her daughter and how strange they were. And then Black Mariah, she dies, right? Yeah. I think yeah. So I don't remember. Yeah, I believe she dies. If I'm chat, if I'm wrong, correct me. But um, yeah, like she dies, and her daughter kind of hints that she's taking over, sort of thing, and going to be doing that some sort of stuff that her mother was doing, and hinting towards that, and. And then we get, like, you know, Luke Cage ends up owning, like, Harlem's Paradise and becoming the big boss there and takes over everything. Yeah. Um, which, and honestly, was a really... They were obviously going somewhere with that, and it was a really crappy way for them to end season two because obviously got cancelled before they could show any of that. We do see him reappear in Jessica Jones season three. And he shows up her door at one point as, like, in his, like, suit and everything like that now that he's running Harlem's Paradise, but... It's clear that he's. They were going somewhere with it, and it's like, okay, this might actually get interesting. Cancelled. Yeah. I just, 
Luke Cage I always felt was an alright show and maybe it was just me maybe it was it was a sh- one of those shows that was never meant for me but I'm like I just that's my thought process as well um, you know like I felt like Punisher and Daredevil were great I felt like Jessica Jones was good and started going downhill every season Luke Cage I always felt like eh it's alright you know I saw a lot of people getting excited about it a lot of people really enjoyed it and stuff and it was just never a show I, I, I really enjoyed I thought the casting was interesting for the most part it seemed to be really good Um, but it just I don't know this wasn't for me best things about one of the best things about season 2 I loved though was the episode where Danny Rand shows up because like I, I tend to love like Danny Rand not in Iron Fist but when he showed up in Luke Cage it was like that's Danny Rand that's what he's meant to be like why can't his own writers write him like that? Remember, like, I don't see. All right, so this is another. I don't think I finished watching season two of of uh, Luke Cage. So I don't remember if I. I don't remember him coming into season two. He came in for like an episode because season two takes place after Defenders, so they know each okay. other. And so Danny Rand shows up, but he's he's a lot more laid back. He's a lot more jokey. He's a lot more chilled out and stuff. Yeah. And seeing him fight fight together was awesome and I'm like this this is why I want a hero for hire show yeah. like these two together just like this is awesome but let's get into the one that most people are probably waiting for us to talk about <laughs> Iron one, one thing before, oh, before yep. we get into Iron Fist I'm sorry one little cool detail that I really liked about uh, Luke Cage and then we can jump in Iron Fist when they did like flashbacks and they showed him um, where he was you know getting like basically tortured in prison and he got superpowers from that so, for those of you who know, his his comic book outfit from like um, from like way back was like he had like a tiara. Oh yeah, the tiara. Head <laughs> it was like a tiara, and it was like gauntlets. And they show him, you know, as he's laying on the table, he's wearing the tiara and the gauntlets. So it was like a cool little like like Easter egg throwback to like the um, the fans of Luke Cage. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, like he walks out of there after he gets superpowers, he breaks into jail, and he sees his reflection. Like, no takes off and yeah, throws it yeah, away yeah, like, yeah. it was a really cool little um, easter egg to it I really did like yeah. that as well but yeah we can jump into Luke Cage I, I just remember I'm not Luke Cage Iron Fist I just remember that though but yeah just looking at our time I definitely wanted to talk about um, Iron Fist absolutely the most hated not of the Marvel <laughs> Netflix shows <coughs> critically panned panned by fans this show was hated Here's my thing. Mm-hmm. This dude is supposed to be like, all right, you know, when you when you go through the Marvel rankings online, like who's the best martial artist? Like Iron Fist is up there. Yeah, like he's right? been trained. He's like top, he's like top, like top ten, top fifteen maybe. It that did not reflect <laughs> on the show. Oh no, all. he's he's definitely top ten martial artist, maybe even top five. I mean, like he, yeah. I mean, he crashes in that plane. Like they go into his history where he goes to Kung Lung. He goes there as a kid. He is trained from a young age. And he gets the Iron Fist. The Iron Fist is an like honor. It's <laughs> an honor that's bestowed to people. Yeah. And it's bestowed to the best of the best. Yeah. Was he really your best? Looked like he went to, um, had, had beginner karate at lessons for like a month. Maybe not that bad, but it was bad. It, it was, was bad. <sighs> there's, there's so many things. Like, I don't even, okay. Right, let's list it off, okay? Let's okay, list it I, need, off. I need to prep myself. There's so many bit things bad with this show. I'm like, I, I don't even know where to begin without just rambling. The choreography. All right, so when you're coming off of a show like Daredevil, 
where Daredevil is not he hasn't been studying martial arts for 10 years he's learning when he can yeah. I mean, he has I'm sorry he has so ever, ever since he was a little he's been studying martial arts so he's, he's really good Iron Fist should be on the same sort of level as Daredevil if not better ability wise it's like I would give Daredevil the edge just because of his super abilities like it allows okay, him yeah, to do yeah, certain to do that because like the Iron Fist doesn't really amp amplify the abilities it just makes your fist like indestructible yeah um, so just, for that I would give it but like he should at least be on par with Daredevil like they should fight to a standstill sort of thing I'm just looking I grew up with Kung Fu movies and I'm just looking at the, the difference in choreography between Daredevil and Iron Fist and it's just it's not even close like he's not even in the same realm as Daredevil I think one of the big things behind that um, for me anyway at least I think it's all connected to it was like let me ask you a question or two questions what does Kong Long look like the Mexico City where he spent like 20 years of his life growing up yeah what does it look like we don't know. Bar, bar the room in season 2 where we see him in these what's his name the other guy I know you're talking about I can't think of his name but I know I completely blanked on his name is a good actor as well. Badly wasted, but yeah. Um, <laughs> apart from the room where they have their fate to decide which one of them is going to be the is going to be the Iron Fist and face the dragon. What does Kong Long look like? Anyone? What does the city? What does the city look like? I I don't know. I, I see it in the distance a little bit. I seen it when like the hand destroyed it at the end of season one in the distance and when he was leaving you see it off in the distance and yeah. that was a missed opportunity man what does the dragon look like that question but a did he actually beat a dragon <laughs> i don't know we saw something in the shadows at one point maybe <laughs> possibly there was something glowing like that could be a dragon i'm like he, the dragon didn't bestow this to him. He had to beat the dragon. That, that's why he has the tattoo on his chest. That's and why he has the iron fist because he beats the dragon and gets the power. Raymond Rodriguez is that guy's name, by the way. Raymond Rodriguez. Ramon. I'm sorry, Ramon. Rodriguez. Ramon. Ramon Rodriguez. Phenomenal actor. Yes. I've seen him in a bunch of stuff. He's a great actor. He is sorely wasted in the show. Akudo. What's his name? Akudo. That was it. I'm trying to think of his character name as well. Bakura was like was a great character. Like even the storyline for season two with him, I'm like, this is a great thing because you can play into Kong Long. You can play into the fact of like, you weren't one of us. You did not deserve that. I was told. You can play into the it's the old trope, but it's a good trope of that. It's the low key trope we talked about when we talked about the Marvel Phase One. You told me from a young age I was born for this. That I was meant to get this, and then you give it to him. No wonder he went nuts. And then what happens? He's meant to stay there and protect Kong Long for the hand, and he leaves. Of course he's going to be mad. Of course he's going to be angry. You could have done so much with that. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I misspoke. It's uh, Ramon Rodriguez is Bakudo, but the guy we're talking about is Davos. Sasha Juan. Was Davos. That was the guy, yeah. He was the the former best friend of uh, Danny Rand. 
Who's uh, Bakuro then? Oh, Bakuro's the guy that's watched for the hand. That's right. He's yeah. the guy that's trying yeah. to call in Wang and see the one. That's yeah, right. That's, that's right. That's my bad. That's my bad. Um, but yeah, they, they, they had such an opportunity. Can't get the help these days. You really can't. <laughs> they had such an opportunity to kind of revisit Kunlun and kind of like build that up. And like flesh out his backstory. See, also. even if you see, even if you didn't want to reveal the whole thing in season one, you could have built up different sections of it. You could have built up his training yeah. as a kid. You could have built up him facing the dragon right at the end. You could have built all of that up, especially if what you were doing in season two was have him face Davos, was have him fight him because Davos is basically like I deserve the Iron Fist, and even like leading into stealing the Iron Fist for himself. Like yeah. you could have, you needed to build it up in season one so far. And what did we get? We got a family drama. About a family I don't care about. Yeah. Why? And do you know? Do you know why I think that? Well, I take it back a little. I was going to say, do you know why that was a problem with it? But then again, they didn't have that issue in season two, and it was still crap. But they focused so much on the hand because they were Iron Fist was were setting up defenders. Which I'd like to point out, you built up Iron Fist as if he's meant to be this great defender, the guy that's going to beat the Iron Fist, and then he did like jack all. The only importance he had was he was the one that opened like the dragon where the dragon bones were at the end of like defenders. That was literally the only role he had. Daredevil was a bigger part of that, but yet you spent the whole first season building up the hand, building them up, building. I I am the Iron Fist. It is my sworn duty to defend Kong Lung from the hand. Yeah, I know you told me that five episodes ago. Say something else. Anything else. Just think, think the shit on two major points. One, I'm supposed to believe that this dude is just a master martial artist. And he has been training for decades for this moment. I don't believe that. Not from no. what I see on the show. Not from the very beginning. I don't believe it. You know how you, two, you could have portrayed that? You could literally have even portrayed that without having a fight scene. I'm literally thinking, like, I just, we've been watching through Avatar The Last Airbenders because it dropped to Netflix. I'm literally thinking of at the start of book three, they go to the Fire Nation and they're undercover there trying to get a firebending teacher for Aang. So Aang is like in a full, like, he dresses like to hide in a school uniform for the Fire Nation. And he gets caught by the cops and told, hey, you're meant to be in school and gets into a fight with one of the bullies there. He literally beats the bully by not throwing a punch. Yeah. By literally just ducking and blocking and walking around him and stepping around him and does nothing to him yeah you could have literally set up how good danny rand is by doing that yeah you could have set up how good he is without him having to throw a punch and beating someone just by stepping out the road just by knowing what was coming and you couldn't think even about, do that think about neo at the end of the matrix the first that you know the first one when he's yeah. just blocking the crap out of oh yeah like he's just yeah he's not throwing no, any punches he's just he's not even not putting even, effort into trying. it he's not even trying yeah yeah but something like that, so I think the choreography, I think for me, is the major misstep. I think two very closely followed is the writing. I just, I don't know, because I, I think the guy who they got to play Danny Rand, I think he would have been better, maybe not the best, but better if the writing was better. I don't know, I just... I, I think it could have been, I'd, I'd love to have found out. Yeah. And I will say this, by the way, that the guy that they got to write Iron Fist was awful. This is the same guy who, if you want to see what other stuff he's done, was then moved from Iron Fist onto the Inhumans TV show. He's the same guy that wrote Marvel's Inhumans. Like, he has not wrote anything for Marvel that has not bombed. Well, the fact that you said they wrote, you know, when Iron Fist came into, Danny Rain came into Luke Cage, he was way better. 
I would assume that somebody else at that point was writing for him. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. So that obviously, I mean, that sheds a little light on the fact that it was the writing for this show. Yeah, the writing at least, was at least to some extent. The writing was horrific, and then it was also the fact of like his adoptive family, which yeah, or like you're kind of his adoptive. I don't. It's like the way I they they portrayed it as if it was like meant to be his family, but I'm like, but he's been missing since he was a kid. Yeah. He crashed in the plane that killed his parents. Yeah. These were just kids he played with. Like, they get their father worked with his father. Like, they were best friends as kids. And I'm like, and they played it up like that. He's got this real deep connection to them. He doesn't know who they are. He's not seen them for 20 years. Yes, I, I get it. We're trying to pretend like, yes, the woman that he grew up with that used to be his friend as a child. Yes, she's hot and he might have a thing for her. But we're kind of going to hint at that in episode one and never go back to it. And then there's the brother who is is trying to work with the dad who is brought back by the hand and is trying to make his dad proud and they're also trying to like get Danny to work for them but overthrow him because it's that. I'm like, it's so complicated. It's unnecessary. I don't care. Like the hand resurrected their father. Like I've watched both seasons of that show. I'm like, why? I, yeah. I've never fully understood why they resurrected him. Yeah, I don't know why. Like, and I don't care about the brother. I don't care about the sister. The sister at least plays a role in season two, because she gets so fed up with what goes on at Rand Enterprises, she goes to run her own company, and then starts working with Davos. And so, way for Davos to kind of slip in and basically go after the company that Danny's connected to, his family's company. I'm like, okay, that's that's at least interesting. At least you were setting yeah. something up with that. Yeah. But, like, the brother, like, they treat him like he's a main character, and I'm like, I couldn't care less about the brother. And the fact that they end season two without Danny having the Iron Fist and doing some sort of, like, world-traveling adventure with his his kind of brother. I don't get that. It's like, who I cares? I did not get the ending for that, yeah. What they call him became the Iron Fist, and we didn't, and Danny didn't get it back. You should, you should be the one to take it, Colleen. Yeah, I was just like, what, why? Why did we come up with that? Why? Who thought that was a good idea to write that? Not that Colleen is not a good character. She's an amazing just, character. She's one of the best things about the show. Like, legitimately one of the best things, if not the best thing about Iron Fist is Colleen Wing. The actress playing her is amazing. The character yeah. herself is awesome. She's a complete badass. Like, fighting in this. She's way better fighting than Iron Fist Oh, is, her steel cage fights. Since season one, her steel cage fights. Like, her like underground fighting ring within like, the, the construction site in the cage. And she's like beating the crap out of people. It's so good. She's such a good right. fighter. She's disciplined. She's ah. Oh. So let's think about this realistically. All right. Let's say I want to make an Iron Fist show. I'm gonna make. I'm gonna have the main character Danny Rand, who's been studying martial arts at this sacred, uh, unknown location, Kunlun, for uh, like 20 years. And now let's come to. He knows this girl who runs her own um, martial arts school. Um, she she's an instructor there. Um, who do you think would be better at martial arts? You would think Danny Rand, but considering Colleen... Let's put it this way. Colleen Wing can go toe-to-toe with him, and I'm like, I get you're trying to do the empowerment of the female character, Yeah. but it doesn't make sense. If he's had this elite training from this spiritual temple that trains people in martial arts, she's the Iron Fist, she shouldn't be able to hang with him. No. Not, Not to that extent. It's like, he should yeah. totally own it, and it's like... It's just everything of it. Like he had a little bit of amnesia, I believe, at the beginning of of season one. I get that. Maybe he not might not have remembered all of his training and stuff like that. But when he got to a point where he remembers, there should be like no stopping him. 
<laughs> yeah, it's like it, it, it should be no stopping him. And then at least season two—that's the thing. Season one was awful because it was leading up to the whole thing with like the other, the dad that the hand had brought back, and everything was just like leading to defenders. Season two was at least better. Like I enjoyed Davos coming in as an enemy. I enjoyed that we got him in season one to set him up, and then I enjoy in season two. Like you could, they didn't play it up properly, but you could have totally played up the fact of I was always meant to be the Iron Fist. I was always meant to be that, so I'm taking it. And him building his own army, training his own fighters and stuff like that. Davos was great. Yeah. He was a great villain. He got overshadowed by the fact that they still tried to play up like the sister as like a a big factor. And I'm like, no, he's the villain. He he's owning this show right now. Yeah. And what did Danny do? He went away and he whined. Yeah. I like <laughs> Great, greatest martial artist in the world, ladies and gentlemen. Beat a dragon, a dragon to get his power. <laughs> there he is. And then, and and what was her name? Hold on, I want to look this up and get it right. Who are you looking for? Uh, the other woman that comes into it, like it's got the split personalities and stuff. The typhoid Mary. Yeah, Mary, um, who's Typhoid Mary in the comic books, and we get the introduction to Typhoid Mary, who's like a woman that he, that Danny Rand helps in the street, um, and who's actually got a split personality, like one's like good and one's evil, sort of thing. I'm like, okay, I'm interested that you've brought her in because she plays a big factor in like some of these street level characters, like she plays a role against Daredevil and stuff as well. And okay, yeah, that's an interesting introduction. I kind of felt like she was shoehorned in a little bit say I don't remember her I mean she looks familiar but I don't remember her in the yeah like it's, she was kind of shoehorned in I felt like and it just wasn't anything to it and I'm like okay yeah but yes yeah, season 2 like it had so much good for it and but we had Iron Fist without hey Sora how's it going man Sora is saying ah that accent or you're speaking Scottish all day now um, but yeah, it's like I felt like season two of Iron Fist was just—it was—it had so much great potential, especially like if they did the great stuff with Davos, and they just—they didn't. And like we had Iron Fist without the Iron Fist for most of it, and probably lol. And <laughs> um, like Davos, like done a great job as a villain, but like Danny Rand, like without the Iron Fist, he literally done. Uh, we're talking through the Marvel Netflix shows. We're talking about Iron Fist right now. We're, wrapping up with the rest we've talked about the rest of them but we're kind of wrapping up with Iron Fist now the, the most hated of the Marvel Netflix shows like this is the reason why this superhero is a superhero so we're gonna take it away I get that I get it it makes sense it's been done so many times but even in the, even in that it making sense it's like it's a done trope but it works because the whole thing is meant to be what is this person without his power yeah. Season one was so good. Season two was right. Oh no, no, no. So uh, <laughs> season one. We've actually been arguing the opposite for the past ten minutes. Season one was so bad. Season two had at least some good stuff to it. Like the stuff with Davos was amazing, but like overall, like the whole show was trash. The whole thing is awful, and I think that's the, th the, the thing. Is it, if you no. take away the Iron Fist from him, Danny Rand, the way they wrote him, has nothing. He's that's all he talks super, about for season super one. Super annoying. Is that he's the Iron Fist, and you take away his Iron Fist, he doesn't have anything going for him. Yeah. I'll fight you, man. I'll fight you. I'll fight you, with my Iron he's, Fist. 
he's just super <laughs> annoying. Like, I don't know. Again, I think it's just the way that he's written. He's just it's the writing, because I think the guy's a good actor. Yeah. He portrays, um, even his writing in The Defenders, don't get me wrong, Defenders wasn't amazing. It was, he was better in The Defenders. I it, was, it, was, it was kind of a forgettable show, but his writing was at least better than that, and then his best writing was when he showed up in Luke Cage. Like, they wrote him the best. That's why I wanted the I Heroes for Hire show, was because the writing the two of them together. Iron Man as a show was bad. I never saw Iron Man show. Do you mean Iron Fist as a show? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm assuming you mean Iron Fist. If it's Iron Man as a show, I don't know anything about an Iron Man show that isn't like a 90s cartoon. Um, but I, never, but I never really thought about it until you said you were talking about it, but I just think it... I agree with you. I think it would have been so awesome to have yeah, sorry. just some backstory <laughs> fleshed out with, with Kung Lung. Well, that was the thing. So Kung awesome. Lung is like... Even when we get into season two... Like season two, the whole point of it is him versus Davos. Yeah. Someone who was born and raised in Kung Lung versus someone who crashed near there and was taken in by the monks. Both are trained from a young age. And we never see Kung Lung. We never even see the dragon that's meant to have given him the iron fist that he's meant to have defeated. We don't see any of it. Yeah. I, like, I said it at the end of season one. I kept saying it to people, like, where the hell is my dragon? I want a yeah. dragon. <laughs> yeah. You promised me this freaking dragon. I don't I want, want a silhouette. I don't want a silhouette and some smoke. I, I want, want to it, see like, this. Legitimate by God dragon. <laughs> it's like, I want to see that. I want to see Kong Long. I want to see him out and about in the city. I want to see how it looks. I want to see what the people are like. Yeah. We don't even see the people apart from the people that are judging his fight with Davos in season two. And I'm like, and I wanted to see you play up that side of Davos. I wanted to see you play up the fact of like the low key thing of like you raised me from a young age and told me I was going to be the Iron Fist. My parents basically disowned me when I did not get that Iron Fist. It's like, Danny Rand cost me everything. I'll play that up. I want to see that more. I wanted to see more of it because you had something great there that could have been amazing. But, alas, we, we did not get that. And then, at the very end of like the last two episodes, they all of a sudden decide, you know what? Danny Rand doesn't get the Iron Fist back. We're going to give it to Colleen Wing. I kind of get what you were trying to do, but please give him the Iron Fist back because he has nothing else. Colleen's good on her own. She doesn't need it. She's better than him when he's got the Iron Fist. You know what I mean? It's like... I, I don't know... I really don't know where they were planning to go. Like, seeing her with the Iron Fist doing the vigilante thing, like, okay, we're going to try something different. And then they had him in, like, his, like, kind of brother... That he grew up with, like traveling the world, doing stuff, and I'm like, oh, but he still had the Iron Fist, right? Didn't it light up or something like that? At, something at weird happened at the end. Like he'd done something. I don't even remember. It's like, and I don't intend to go back and watch he it. He caught and find a bullet out. or something with his fist. I don't know. It was yeah. something where, like, oh, he still has the Iron Fist. He and did something, but I'm like, it. what are you two hoping to accomplish traveling the world? I'm like, it's yeah, just it makes no sense. I mean, it's like it's literally bottom of the pile. You go from something like Daredevil to something like Iron Fist, and I'm like, oh my goodness. And then, you know, we're almost out of time for today. But then again, briefly, Defenders we've kind of mentioned throughout the show, obviously, because it all ties in. The Defenders they all showed up in it. Straight up, I don't remember anything about Defenders other than the very end, or and the shot of them in the hallway after the elevator. That's all I remember. That's because that's all they ever used in the trailers was that freaking <laughs> shot in the hallway of them fighting people. <laughs> Defenders was built up as meant to be the TV version of Avengers. Mm-hmm. And these characters coming together and it was meant to be completely awesome. And the show was just forgettable. Like, all of them fighting the hand. Like, the hand was a bad choice for the villains. That could literally have been a Daredevil or an Iron Fist villain on its own. Yeah. 
Would you guys ever do the anime Iron Man? I have never seen it, but I would definitely check it out and talk about it. I don't know if I've actually seen it either. Apparently, there's a few, there's a few I, I like anime. An, there's a few anime, anime things. Like I know there's like an anime Iron Man. I think there's like an anime, obviously a Wolverine, because he's got the whole Japanese connection. I think there's an anime like Doctor Strange as well. Like I'd, I'd be up for checking them out and talking about them definitely. Yeah, not to go completely off topic, but I have a um, there's a Batman Ninja. Uh, it's like a one-off type movie. It's like a different universe type thing and it's kind of anime-ish style it's awesome it's awesome but anyways sorry i didn't yeah. need that guys no they are, i mean it's amazing like the artwork and stuff in that's amazing it's is really beautiful even though nothing else the visuals in it are pretty beautiful the way they play into the japanese stuff it's awesome and um, yeah defenders is 100 percent forgettable but yeah defenders <laughs> is forgettable the hand was a really really bad choice i mean i get they went all out and even tried to get sigourney weaver yeah out of nowhere is like the is like the big thing in it but like she wasn't really that big a threat it's like they should have just kept it as madam go you literally built her up from daredevil episode one she yeah. was in these shows you should have literally just had her by the head yeah. um and then they went into there and then it was a the whole thing of getting into where the dragon bones were and then they brought the building down and it looked like daredevil was dead but he wasn't really and we all got to go back on with our lives and it was a letdown. Like it was, it was one of those things. Like it was built up so much, and I'm like, I, I don't even care enough to go back and watch it. I've never watched it again since the first time round. I did enjoy the fight between um, Iron Fist and Luke Cage, though. That was kind of that was an interesting one. Like just even just for that shot of him like lighting up the yeah. Iron Fist and smacking Luke Cage with it. Like the two of them. Like, but even then, they could have done a lot more with it. Like even like the the, the restaurant scene, which is a big one everyone talks about, because. They all gather together to talk. All it makes me think about is it. When they all meet yeah. in like the Chinese restaurant and stuff. When they all come oh, back to yeah. Derry. That's all it makes me think about. But That's hilarious. But like, yeah, I'm I'm not. It's forgettable. Like I'm literally gonna go back. I think we can need to tie this up now because we're hitting the two we're well, we're over the two hour mark now. And real quick, real quick, what is your ranking? So if you had to rank them. <sighs> ranking is probably probably daredevil first and I'm, I'm torn as i said earlier i'm torn between that and punisher i did love both those shows daredevil first punisher a very close second uh jessica jones luke cage defenders iron fist yeah until the very end i have iron fist before defenders just because i think defenders was just like Defenders was forgettable, but the writing was better. I'm literally basing it on the fact of how Iron Fist was written. Oh, uh, okay. The the way that the that in itself proves to me the writing was technically better for Defenders, and like I I want to give it that like like Iron Fist like Defenders I'm like ah eh, it's forgettable, but like Iron Fist is memorable, but for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Like it's right. it's so bad. At least that's that's my thinking on it anyway. Yeah, that um, makes sense. So yeah, I'm going to go back probably and go watch more Daredevil and more Punisher at least, um, and at least recap those because I've really got myself in the mood with the build up to this. And this has been fun yeah. looking back at the it's Marvel Netflix awesome, shows. It's... I've forgotten more than I remembered actually. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Like when I was going, I thought I'm going to be great talking about this stuff, and then I came in it and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I remember all that stuff, and I'm like, who was that character? What happened here? What was yeah. that thing? I'm like, yeah. And but you know what though a lot of it is from shows that I'm not going to go back and watch like I don't remember certain stuff from Iron Fist I'm not going to go back and watch it I, I don't nope. want to even nope, Luke I'm Cage good. I'm like eh it's alright yeah not. I do want to see the part where uh, Danny Rand comes in though uh, Luke Cage season yeah, 2 yeah definitely go check it out I can't remember what episode in season 2 it is but definitely go check it out because like it 
him written in Luke Cage is night and day compared to Iron Fist. Yeah. It's like a totally different character. Um, but yeah, um, thank you everyone for joining us for chatting about Netflix. This was a lot of fun. Oh, thank goodness it's popped up in chat because I meant to mention it at the start and I completely forgot. But to be fair, we had like a billion things to talk about at the start. And uh, we are also doing a giveaway for this month. It helps if I click in the chat when I'm trying to actually post something. So we are doing a giveaway. I'm going to pull it up on screen. We're going to disappear, but you should still be able to hear us. Uh, Nitro is doing an amazing picture, an amazing piece of different Batman busts. There's going to be about 30 overall. The picture we've got up at the moment is just about 20 or so, so it's not totally complete yet. And um, We're going to be picking winners for this um, out of those that are subbed to the channel because we felt like we wanted to give it away, but you know, this was an amazing piece of artwork that should cost a fair bit of money and, you know, to give something a wee bit back to Nitro and, you know, make it worthwhile for people. Um, so if you want to win this, you need to get subbed up to our channel. If you sub at any point during June, uh, let me pull this back up. If you sub at any point during June, you'll be subbed through to the end of it. The cutoff is June 30th. Whoever is subbed to the channel on June 30th, I will be taking note of those names and we will be doing a giveaway on, I think it's July, I want to say 5th. Yeah, July 5th is a podcast after that. We'll be doing a giveaway with those that were subbed up to June 30th. If you're subbed to the channel right now, and you subbed before the start of June, chances are your sub is going to run out and you're going to have to renew it, so keep an eye on that yeah. if you want to be in with a chance for winning this. Um, if you have not subbed up yet and want to be in with a chance of winning this, this piece it would cost about 35 to $40 usually, giving it away for a free Amazon Prime sub or for a $4.99 sub. You know, that's not bad. Right now, there's one person we know that is guaranteed to be subbed by then. And one of our usual regular ads was uh, subbed um, last week's show, so he'll be subbed through June 30th. So 100% right now, I think the other person that's subbed, we've got two subs now, the other one's just going to run out. So right now, ads is winning this. If you do not want ads to get this, if you want to get in with a chance of winning it yourself, this is your opportunity. Sub to the channel. You can do it during the podcast. You can do it if I pop in with another stream at some point. You can do it if we do something else. Um, you can do it even when we're off stream, pop in with a sub. It will show up in my stream labs um, and let me know that you subbed. Go ahead and do it if you want to be in with a chance of winning this. Um, but yeah, definitely want a big one that we're excited about doing. This is going to be a beautiful piece when it's finished. Um, and yeah, we're excited. Well, real quick plug, I know we talked about him earlier in the podcast with Joshua Leonard. We are we have an interview with him on the 21st of June. Um, so I'm super looking forward to that. Yeah, 100%. I'm going to throw that up in chat again. And go check out his website, Leonard Studios, um, with Team Supreme. He's an animator who created Team Supreme, a group of teenage heroes. Now it's a 3D print the Batman Beyond Helmet. <laughs> Hey, go for it, man. If you want to do it, go for it. I want to see that when it's finished. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, I'll get a copy. Yeah. And Joshua Leonard was definitely... Um, definitely check him out. He's an amazing artist, doing some amazing stuff uh, with Team Supreme, and we're excited to have him on the show to get a chance to talk about it. Um, I think that's most stuff. Um, apart from that, if you guys are not... Um, subscribe to our YouTube channel all of our stuff gets archived there go ahead and check us out there if you want to check out previous episodes if you missed any of this episode it'll be uploaded there in the next couple of days as well um, and if you're not <coughs> like the cost of it 
I imagine not, it's probably going to be fairly expensive. Um, and if you need to follow us, our links are down here below, um, where we actually streaming. You can see us there. Patreon, where you can um, support the channel from as low as $2 a month, um, if you want to. Or you can sub to also um, financially provide and help put money towards the stuff that we're doing here. Um, no need for you to do it if you're not able to, 100%. We're going to keep doing this and love doing it. Um, but follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, follow the links there and like our stuff there. I usually post on there um, weekly. Um, but definitely go and check us out there, guys. We've got a lot of followers on here, but we want to grow our YouTube and our social media as well and vice versa, get the people from there on to here because um, we don't want you guys missing out on what's going on. But I think that's pretty much everything. Anything else you want to say, Nitro? I think today was awesome. Yeah. Had fun. Had a lot of fun today. Um, we'll announce on our social media what we're doing. We're going to be talking about next week. Um, oh, glad I mentioned that. For anyone for next week, and I'm going to announce this on social media as well, we are going to be starting at 1 o'clock, not 2 o'clock. Um, Nitro and I have an amazing opportunity to do and to record a podcast with the Infinity Bros and we chatted with Isaac had him on the show a few weeks ago talking about the MCU Phase 1 it was an absolute blast go and check that out on our YouTube page and, but they've asked us to come on the show and chat with them and so we're going to be recording that um, next week Sunday night so to make sure we've got enough time in between we've, um, we're boosting up the podcast till 1 o'clock and if you guys like the 1 o'clock thing we'll look and see if it's something we can do permanently but um, at least for next week, it's going to be 1 o'clock, and then the following week, it'll return to 2. So, I'm glad I remembered that. Sweet. All right, but all of you lovely people, have an absolutely amazing day. Have a great Sunday. Enjoy yourselves, relax, and rest. Oh, try to pull up some music to go out on. That would be nice. Um, relax and rest, and we will see you all next week. Take it take, easy, everybody. Take care. Be blessed, guys. Yep.